I was talking about this with my wife last night. Amber Tamblyn. Um, Amber Tamblyn. Was she in such short of my traveling pants? Yes. I reference that movie so fucking much. I, then, yeah, I'm fucking one of those girls. <laughs> Dude, I'm fucking nailing one of those <laughs> pants girls. <laughs> the thing I've always dug about you is you always had this underground feel. Like, like almost like a punk band feel. So shit like that, I feel like you'd get... Yeah, you'd, I mean, in the beginning, certainly, yeah. I was... Uh, <laughs> oh, you, know. you fucking start. Come on, I sold out. I did... Uh, um, I did chipmunk movies, so. Throw me in the briar patch. <laughs> I would do, you realize I'd do that for the rest of my life. I do not regret it for at all. I don't give a shit. I know it was a big deal for some people and not a big deal. It was a pretend big deal for 10 minutes. That uh, at the time when I did it, I, you know, to some people, I lost any kind of credibility uh, because of that. But I, I don't regret a second of it. It's for kids. Kids Dude. love it. And parents. You know, and, we, and I parents, mean, you, yes. how, your daughter's seven, seven? She just turned six last week. Six. Yeah. So now you're going through the phase where you get to watch stuff with your kid. I haven't done that. I, for real? I, yeah. I mean, I purposely haven't done that. Uh, I just don't want to kind of ruin it ruin the or alter the experience of of seeing a story like that and i haven't she'll see it eventually it's just yeah. and there are also literally a million options uh that are good there's a lot of great stuff yeah, for kids out there but as a dad when i had kids and you were in that it i went oh okay there's one of my guys i got to watch it i got to enjoy it yeah but that's a that's uh and i'm and i'm glad and i appreciate that and i do when i was doing it i had you know, in the back of my mind, I had the idea of, I know that parents are going to be sitting, having to watch this over and over and over again. So if I can do something for the parents yeah. and try to be funny and engaging every, you know, so when I'm on, you don't roll your eyes like, oh my God, this Dude. thing is an hour and a half of nonsense. And then hopefully there's like a little something for the Adults watching. I I have to say this out loud. I cannot believe with a career like yours that someone would ever attempt to say that doing one more. I think it was three movies, right? It was. Well, it was contractually obligated. Who, nobody. I I don't think anybody thought it was going to be a billion dollar, you know, business. <laughs> the chickmunks were the biggest thing when I was a huge, kid. Huge. Do you remember like the the fucking albums? You'd hear them over Christmas. Yeah. Yeah, yeah dude. It, and so, but you've done. I mean, I still get. I get people. That are now, you know, adults, really young adults, but they're adults. And I still get people like, uh, hey, man, aren't you the guy who stole the chipmunks? It's it's always the same thing. Stole, aren't you the guy who stole the chipmunks? Can Did you, you steal the chipmunks? Can I tell you, out of all the things you've done in your career, those are the not. And by the way, I'm not even talking like out of all the things you've done in your career. The number one thing I think of, and this is, but this is because I'm a comic and I'm sure you'll understand it, is... Uh, like when you and Larry the Cable Guy went after each other. Mm -hmm. I remember that. I remember that. Like that was like young comic and mm -hmm. gossip back and forth. Everyone was like, yo, yeah, did you see? Comic beef. Dude, I, that was like, that was a <laughs> <Early>. fun one. <laughs> I remember I think you and Patton went at, back and forth one time. Yeah, well, that was about, uh, that was a misunderstanding. That was about that I, Ratatouille, I'm, right? No, it was about chipmunks. Oh, for real? Yeah, it was. Uh, but it was a complete 100% misunderstanding on my part. And I was also a little oversensitive because... All this sh shit came out in a matter of days, and and you know it was kind of a bummer, and yeah. uh, and it was a lot of piling on, and again it was all 
nothing. It's just easy to go, you suck, dude. Yeah. You know, and then go get. That was the heyday of Twitter, too, I think. Yeah. Well, it was Facebook, I think, really? was the. Yeah, I don't even know if Twitter was around then, right? I mean, when I was Twitter know. around? I, 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 you know what I did? This is an old man hack. Uh, I'm made it so that I can't, I don't have the app anymore. So if I want to yeah. see Twitter, it's got to be on my phone mm -hmm. and my eyes don't work enough to see it. So I don't read Twitter anymore. You know what? Similar, but uh, I had to replace my phone like uh, three, four weeks ago. And, um, and I got, uh, I'm on, I got an Android, but in, I used to have um, a Samsung, mm -hmm. but uh, the only thing I could get quickly was the Google Pixel, which I have now. Yeah. And I couldn't, and I'm not good at this shit at all, like transferring stuff and how to have, you know, people walk me through it. And my Twitter and Instagram didn't transfer. A bunch of stuff transferred all, you know, you do a little peer-to-peer -peer thing. Yeah. And uh, a bunch of stuff went in there, but a bunch of stuff I had to go through by hand. And then when it came to Twitter and Instagram, I'm like, nope. I'm not gonna do it. Really? I'm not gonna do it. And you know, I've I've uh, taken a dump has been liberating. Now I can <laughs> hey, my mind is free to you, wander. What do you do when you take a dump, That's all it's, I do. I, 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 uh, I get back to my roots, you know, and uh, um, think a lot of precious thoughts. Wait, do, you do you read books? <laughs> yes, I read Are books. You I do read books. Like what? Oh, on the on the show? No, no, just in life. I've never fucking read a book. I've yes, I read uh, I read like, I read books. What is David Cross reading? Well, uh, right now I'm about a little over halfway through "They Knew" by uh, Sarah Kenziar. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, but I have I just read Rob Rob Delaney's book too. Um, I like Rob Delaney uh, a lot. Yeah, he's a I like Rob guy. Delaney a lot. Beautiful, beautiful human too. Yeah, know? I like Rob Delaney a lot. I, I tried to reach out when I was in Europe to uh, in UK to do a podcast with him, but I never got through. I don't. I didn't reach out hard enough to be honest. Right, and but he's like insanely busy too, and he's yeah. got a, he lives there, so his family. Yeah. he's got. Wait, but, what's, what's they knew about? They they knew sounds about like uh, some antebellum. Uh, haunting no no it's uh it's non-fiction uh and i've got to stop i got to cut down on the non-fiction and go back to fiction i, I love non-fiction i only I mean, like non-fiction it's too it's just too much it's too depressing and too it's a, it's about the um how we got to where we are and oh all the, God. the players it's like, in the play in oh, it's like current politics current going and also how we got here and what always existed to uh, get us here um, with, you know, uh, Trump and the uh, um, Clintons and Bush and, you know, all that stuff. There it is. Um, Are you a conspiracy theory guy at no, all? No, not at all. Not at no, all? I, no. I could be, I, I'm not, I'm not smart enough to uh, not get swayed into it. Like, I think there are, there are legitimate, it it the way that the information is put out there, it's just enough, and and you got to remember that we it, the especially in the last uh, conspiracies are different now, and uh, um, I mean the idea of you know the uh, uh, the CIA killed Kennedy kind of thing. Yeah, boom, um, number one. You it's there's there are some things uh, that you can extrapolate and believe in. Uh, I, 
you know, this idea that, um, and the, this book actually goes into it a little bit, um, that people will dismiss uh, uh, conspiracy with like, well, you know, no, not a, a, you couldn't do this thing because a hundred thousand people couldn't keep a secret. And yeah, they could. Yeah, they could. Um, and and again, I don't believe in uh, uh, almost all of it, but I can easily see, without being judgmental or, or you know, no judgment, why people would believe it. I can, I can. There's some things that are absurd to me, like uh, chemtrails, or we're the, you know, there's a secret race of lizard people that are that yeah. replace the royals. Frogs are and, gay. Pizzagate. Oh, those know, ones. Well, Pizzagate was disproven. I mean, the guy came in. The guy, the guy came in with a fucking gun. And there's no basement, and they're like eating pizza, going, "What? See, you know, see, there's no." I'm that guy. You're the guy with and the I'll, gun, and I'll tell you why. T- I'm not, maybe I would never take it that far, but I am. What the about guy. a squirt gun? Take a squirt gun. Yeah, pellet gun. BB. Have you ever been cheated on? Uh, sort of. Yes, I've been I, cheated on in epic fashions. Right, like girlfriend slept with my best friend. Dudes told me about it. Nope, I have faith. Right. Uh. Because you had faith in the I had faith. In, and, I, had, I had faith. Like right, that's it's right. the problem. Like, I mean, I think I, there's so much to un, unpack here with me and you because we both grew up in the South. We both where, knew, where are you from? I'm from Florida. It's, I know okay. it's not I know you're from Atlanta. No, 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 no. You're <laughs> you no, I love I that, that you can anticipate. That's what uh pe- uh Florida and Texas always get. They're like, uh, I'm from uh no, this is Texas. This is Texas, <laughs> not the South. Florida's different. I used to say I knew two dudes growing up, up without tongues. So like that's Florida. Tongueless yeah. bread and <laughs> so um but I, I when I got cheated on, I have faith that she would never do that. I I, right. I have that same faith in my wife. I really mm-hmm. believe my wife would never cheat on me. Oh, dude, I have some terrible information. <laughs> I thought you knew. I thought this was what... Am I? Oh. Is it? Is this on me? Oh, my God. You guys told me when I walked in. <laughs> you realize how you would watch me unravel? But the th- what I'm trying to say is like Wait, that... I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Back up for one second. Was this, a, was this on stage or in a casual setting? It was in a, on a podcast. Oh, it's sitting here. So he's no, making not in here, it not in here. Not, it was at someone else's, and and it was just like we were what doing a podcast. What the fuck is that about? Yeah, there's no. I have, I have. Oh fuck that! Yeah, that's just that's a cheap, stupid cheap joke. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. not guy. That has. I no... have, I have intimacy issues. Intimacy issues. Uh-huh. I have uh, trust issues. Mm-hmm. I have like weird. Like if I trust, like uh. Well, at least you're open about it and oh, you're yeah. aware of it. I'm that's very, good. I'm hot. My, that is the only thing that's good about me is I am hyper aware of my flaws and I'm hyper yeah. self-correcting. But it's because my dad, well, I, grew up with, I grew up with the dad who um, was never wrong. Yeah, yeah. So like I had to learn why I was wrong if I wanted to right. eat dinner with them because I was, as a, mm. as a, the Iraq war broke down and I came mm. home, I was probably 16 years old. Mm-hmm. And I was like, my energy was so anti-establishment so hippie so punk rock and i was like and by the way i'm total meathead total athlete mm-hmm. but that was my energy mm-hmm. my dad i was like fuck george bush this is bullshit we need to protest this war my dad's like go to your fucking room you're an idiot and when you figure out why you're an idiot you're allowed to come out of your room i'm 16 that's fucking crazy and i was like i don't know why i'm an idiot and i was like sitting there but this is what it forced me to do right so adversely i'm a very good partner because you got hungry eventually i hungry and so yeah. finally i came down i'm like i'm starving why yeah. the fuck am i an idiot and he goes you 
don't understand anything about what Saddam Hussein is doing to his people. You don't have any re- no, any right. understanding of why we're going to this war. You don't understand that this is the first time war has been televised, that we can watch the war start together. You have no idea what that's like. My father was in World War II. So is this, my dad, that's my dad. So I, I never talk about politics ever because mm-hmm. in my back of my head, I hear my dad go, oh, you're a fucking idiot. But your dad was wrong. I, I guess you can I see know. that now. I mean, it, I mean, it was simplistic, I, and uh, I I am so afraid to say. Get your that. dad in here. Get your fucking if my dad, dad in here this, now. He'll call me and go. Get your dad. I will talk to your dad. I want to do a podcast with your dad. I don't talk about any politics because that's also that. shitty parenting. Well, it's funny the the parenting you have. I I don't. I mean, I'm I, my oldest daughter's in college now. My youngest is sixteen. The parenting you had sometimes shows up and creeps into your parenting. I'm I'm terrified of that. My dad, uh, I don't know how much you know about my backstory. My dad was a ass- asshole, pathological liar. Nothing, he was never wrong ever. Nothing was his fault. I shouldn't say he was never wrong. He nothing was ever his fault. When everything was his fault, and he never took responsibility for anything. He left when uh, we were young, and uh, uh, he wasn't a good guy. Uh, still alive, but he's still um, alive. Yeah, I haven't talked to him. Southern before. accent for no, he's from England. He's oh, from England. Real? Yeah. He's uh he was he was the youngest of five kids. They came over in two different waves. Um uh and he I think he was fourteen or fifteen when he came over. And then he they lived in the Bronx and uh the whole the the entire uh, um extended family settled in the Bronx in Long Island. Um and and he, yeah, I don't know. And then, uh, but he, he, how did he get to Atlanta? That's a great question. And there's a lot of stuff that my mom, um, she's in therapy right now, and she, uh, we had to kind of talk her into going to therapy, and because uh, she's definitely got, she can't remember a lot of stuff. And I started about three years ago. I started writing things down for an eventual memoir. I've got some interesting stories and upbringing and all that. And, um, and, and she, I would ask her questions, just kind of simpler ones, like timeline type things. Hey, when we got evicted, uh, was that, da da da? had I gone to school yet? Do you remember this? And, and her response is always like, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know, you know? And she also got rid of, um, in a very telling way, we had a, bunch of pictures we're you know po- you know old yeah. school pictures and my mom and undeveloped film and my mom got rid of them like you know really heartbreaking stuff for me and my sisters but uh how many sisters two two yeah and, and where do you, we're in atlanta i always thought marietta for some reason uh not far roswell oh roswell uh, yeah. i know roswell very well did you ever do the funny farm out there Probably no not. i when i left uh <laughs> i meant as an adult it wasn't there when you were no a kid. no it was uh um when I go back there, and I'll be back there. Um, oh, I should mention the tour at some point. But uh, world's worst dad. Uh, say what? What's it? What is the yeah? W- uh, worst daddy in the world. Worst daddy in the world yeah. tour. Um, I'll just say it now. Worst no, pull up, pull up his tour date so we can mention him now, so people know to go see you. You are an absolute fucking legend doing comedy. You well, are, you, you are man. one of my favorite comics, and I, I got the opportunity to tell you I'm not getting off track on this story. I'm so <laughs> bad right. as, an, as an interviewer because I end up just having a conversation I'm, more like we were at a bar. I'm bad at an interviewee because well, I will do the same thing. So, but um, I had the opportunity to tell you that in San, San Francisco, Comedy Central put together a festival, and you were in the green room, and I was doing. You were doing the theater at one side, and I was doing the 
uh, the event hall in the, in the next mm-hmm. and i had been randomly binge watching you mm. um one of my favorite things to do is take like take a comic like yourself who i think we have very very different styles mm-hmm. um and just and just try to see if i can now that i'm a better comic because i'm like i've been a fan of yours my my whole career but now that i'm a better comic to look and go do i see any tricks do i see anything that i'm doing that i go like highlight it like it's so funny. In, in what way? What do you mean? Like, uh, uh, like, like, oh, I don't the know. The way like, that another comic knows another comic is like, oh, I see what you did there. Like, I'm trying to see, I'm trying to right. see it. And like, and, and I, and it, everything you, everything you do on stage is so free and so unapologetic, so unapologetic and, and, uh, and just free and, and that I go, I can't figure it out. And I ran into you that day and I fucking literally, fucking sh- i was like oh my god oh my god oh my god and i overwhelmed you and i backed you into your own green room and you were at one point like no thank you thank you and i could see you making eyes like someone you didn't know i was a comic right. and you, i could see you making eyes like can someone get him out of here and i was like i'm sorry i'm in your green room now and i realized when people do that to me how aggressive it is and i was like fuck i did everything people do to me that i hate i love that you physically backed me i backed you into your green room i was because i walked around the corner and i'm i'm, a, I'm loud and i'm right. uh, and i'm very uh and I, and I my wife says i cast a large wake and especially uh-huh. i know i'm performing so i know that it's my area right. so i'm walking around and i see you i go holy shit david cross i just been binge watching you in my literally that day in my hotel room binge watching you and i think you're some guy off you the think street. i'm just yeah. some guy who's the loudest fucking construction <laughs> worker in san francisco well, i hope i wasn't you were too... very sweet you're very right, sweet good. and then I, I dipped in you were doing the theater and mm-hmm. i dipped in and watched your set you had like 30 minutes before i had to go on so i was just watching your set and i was like I was like, is he fucking doing new material in the theater? I was like, oh my God, I got to fucking step up my goddamn game. I go, here I am looking for tricks. And he's got, you had your notebook out. And you were just like, everything's brand new and it's murdering. And I'm like, I was like, I just don't write enough. I don't write enough. I don't write enough. Well, and I did my hacky shit next door. So uh, we might have different approaches to writing because I am not capable of, I can't do it. Uh, everything I try when I do it, it's garbage. And I try to re- uh, approach it every time I get new material, but I can't sit down and write. I can't. I, I cannot either. All of it's written on stage. I have to. Know? I have to write. Um, I can walk for some whatever reason. When I moved to New York, um, mm. when I first started stand up, I could write at the pace you walk in New York was my perfect pace to write. My brain mm-hmm. would think very quickly. Yeah, that's. I mean, I'll get. Uh, I'll get ideas. Sometimes I'll just yeah. leave. I'll push my uh, myself away from my desk. Go, I got to go outside. I got to take a walk. You know, half hour, and I and just try to, you know, whatever kind of bullshitty new age. You know, let your mind wander and meditate and free, yeah. and just try to do that. Disassociate with all the other stuff and see if the thing I'm working on and and it's like an idea that I have an idea that, um, a bit that I've done that people like but it's it's only half of it a bit you know and it's um i've been trying for years and like it was when i start getting new material uh or putting together a new tour you know i've always got material in in my back pocket to go to because the the whole set extends by the time yeah. you know when i'm halfway through this thing i'll it's going to be two hours long at that well, point and i'll you, to take some out you and i i don't know i it's i'm always skeptical because i know people say to me like i know who your friends are because they think they know who my friends are and sometimes I, i'm like i don't actually know that guy or like that guy but and i hate to group you into that whole chunk of people when i started that i just i just was like the way you guys were doing it is it was how i felt like i wanted to do it 
Like mm -hmm. you, Janine, I'm obsessed with Janine. I think she's she's amazing. Right? I think she is like I watched her right before the two days before I moved up to New York. I watched her. Uh, she had a joke about. I just love this joke because it's so not a finished thought, but it says so much. Mm -hmm. She does, she's like, I was making out with my boyfriend in my pickup truck outside my apartment the other day, and I thought to myself, I'm 33. <laughs> and I just was like, I was like, I got it. Like, I was like, I was like, yeah. And then when I moved to New York, I was friends with a guy named David Wayne. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I, I wasn't friends with him. I had met him in Greece, and he gave me his number. That's so interesting. I, I, yeah, I know. I didn't I, know you both were into musical theater. <laughs> That we gotta laugh, way over there. That guy, that guy laughed in the back. I don't know if you can hear that at home or in your car, but that guy laughed. <laughs> and so I, I played Danny, and he played Sandy. Kaniki, <laughs> Kaniki. <laughs> and so um, he invited me to go see Stella. They were used to do Stella on like West Third or something. Was that at the the no, not? Uh, the Time Cafe below Fez. Yes, it was the yeah. Time Cafe below Fez, right in like a Astor Place there. And I yeah. saw, I saw, so I saw such a different energy of stand up than I'd ever heard of. And then I obviously I, I started at the Boston Comedy Club in the cellar, or Boston, mm -hmm. Boston Comedy Club, and that was a different energy. Totally. I mean, yeah, that 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 whole you know alt thing came out of that style came it was an answer to that style not an answer but uh well an alternative i guess you were in yeah. front of that though in stand-up you were yeah just by coincidence you know i i happen to be part of that group uh um and janine was kind of at the forefront really and uh and then there were the guys who had a kind of a a foot in both sides you know louis and, and mark Marin. you know could could kind of play both worlds yeah um and uh yeah, it was just sort of natural, it was, and it was better. It was better, and it, and it, I wasn't that good at the other style. You know, so funny. I never, I, I, when I was younger, I thought there were two different styles, and then I, when I was older, I was like, oh no, no, I'm just laughing at funny people. Funny people oh, do, and, and being yeah, independent. At the end of the yeah. day, that's apps. That's it. Funny is funny because you know. there were as many yeah. David Tell, Louis ripoffs in the oh yeah in the one side as there were. Patton Oswalt, David Cross, Janine ripoffs on the other side, mm -hmm. and you're like, oh, it's just, it's just people following brilliant people trying to figure out how to do it. Yeah, and look, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I would imagine you had the same experience where the first couple of years I did it, I wasn't, I was really trying to emulate my heroes, and it wasn't natural, and it took me years <laughs> and years and years to get comfortable and then good. Uh, and then things that are now intuitive, it, you know, it took years. Yeah. I mean, how many, I mean, 590 performances, you know, and when I say performance, I mean, you know, open mic spots and all that shit and going out and doing a road gig at a country Western bar in Fitchburg, you know, uh, all that, all that. It took me all that and eating it, just eating it hard to yeah. get to the place I'm at now. It's funny because... Know? guys who are finding success now are guys that um are somewhat ambitious and when you were when you started or let me say rather when i when i was coming up ambition was frowned upon it was like oh really? are you the guy 
you got a MySpace account. Oh, you got you're trying to hustle your fans, but you okay? Yeah, I I see. But by by ambition, like uh, uh, self promotion. Yes. Right. And now now it's commonplace. Yeah, yeah. But you you you'd were be a fool not to do it. Uh, yeah, you know? I uh, I would definitely agree with that. I've only made my career out of self promotion. Yeah, yeah. Um, the but what's interesting to me is that you were all you were always creating. You were always creating outside of just stand-up, whereas a lot of guys were making their living in stand-up. You mm -hmm. were always creating outside of stand-up. Yeah, that is, I mean, I got lucky, yeah. You I think mean, it's luck? I, I would love, I'd love that statement because I would love to hear a podcast about people's luck because mm -hmm. I, can, I can identify my luck way more easier than I can my hard work. Like those little That's things that happen in a career... Like I used to say this about Kevin Hart, and I'm, I'm friends with Kevin. I know Kevin. I shouldn't say I'm friends with him. I haven't talked to him forever. But I was in a room one time, and they were saying, and I was just gloating on Kevin Hart, and they're like, yeah, you know, it's crazy. You got to think of the things that had to happen for him to get where he is. And you're like, huh? And they're like, well, Cat Williams got arrested with a gun in his bag. I was like, what? And they're like, yeah, he was on movie timeout because he had done Soul Plane. So like they weren't going to put him in anything. And then Cat Williams, supposed to go do Fool's Gold, and he had a gun in his bag, so they arrested him. And they needed someone, and Dave Chappelle was in South Africa. And so they kept, they were like, oh, it's Kevin Hart. And I went, what? Like, and like those little... Those I didn't little, know that. That's oh, yeah, interesting. Yeah. And I, I like little things like that, I go, that's where I'm like, I go, oh, I... Like I, one of the luckiest things that ever happened to me. Mm -hmm. um, we were doing an ICM showcase. It's probably like 99. 9899 and uh a dude named Earthquake was on it. Do you know Earthquake? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no of him. Yeah. He's a monster. Yeah. And it was all Well, he killed uh, 20,000 people in <laughs> Turkey and Syria. I don't know what that's about. But he's he that guy's got some issues. I'm sorry your set didn't go over that well. <laughs> you need to take it out on and... uh, All right. And so and so uh <laughs> and so we're coming up with some dumb, <laughs> dumb jokes, man. Some really dumb jokes. <laughs> so he, uh, it was all white, white, young white dude comics. Like me, mm. I won't say their names. It was all white dude comics. We're all now working, but all white That's dude comics. That's 95% of comedy, so. No women. Yeah. This is the way it should be. This is 1999. It's all white dudes yeah. and earthquake. <laughs> And for those of you who don't know, Earthquake is a uh, black gay woman. Yeah. Comic. Oh, he's and so and so, no one wanted to follow Earthquake. It's, everyone's like, I'm not going after Earthquake. I'm not going after Earthquake. And so everyone was shuffling, and I was the youngest. Here comes Bert. But I but I was like, and then they were like, Bert's going after Earthquake. So I was new at comedy, and all I knew is I had to get in there, kid. Trial by fire. Yeah. Get in there. And all I knew, like, is like an ace in my pocket. I, I knew that I had a joke about my name, mm -hmm. like my name by not being sexy during. Uh, and I knew that the joke I used was a black dude's name. Mm -hmm. Call me Quate. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was like, oh, I bet if I use the name Earthquake, it'll go over well. So I was like, I'll go. And so th the luck of that draw is I went third in the lineup right after the first white dude ate it. Mm -hmm. Earthquake did Killed. better than Turkey. I mean, like yeah. really murdered. <laughs> and then... <laughs> And then I went up and I said, my name is Bert. I'm, I'm not, I don't talk during sex. Probably my name is Bert. No one wants to hear my name. Uh, uh, uh. Bert, Bert, Bert. And I went, shh. Call me Earthquake. And the room went. Oh, yeah. That's, that's and then great. I, I murdered. And yeah. I, I got, I, the, literally the red carpet was rolled out for me. 
But those moments of those moments of luck. Well, okay, Bert, that was luck, but you rose to the occasion a very smart way, uh, in a way only you could out of all those other comics. So it's a mix. It's luck, but yeah. you had the the skills and the the goods to deliver and capitalize on the luck. I know, but I, I always I always highlight my luck. Like me and Rogan was a very a very big part of like being friends, becoming friends with him, and doing his podcast at an early age. Mm -hmm. And I always go like, so how did that happen? I whittle it down to Tom Segura was supposed to go to dinner with Charlie Murphy, but Charlie Murphy was taking forever, and Tom was waiting for him. And Rogan walked by and he was like, "Hey man, you're really funny." That's where they met, mm -hmm. and that's how I met Joe. And I always think those little things like, how did you meet Bob? Like, did like did you guys? Um, that, well, uh, he's been, you and him, I'm not only just, I mean, you redefined the entire sketch model. You, you, you put a flag in the ground for alternative voices of, mm -hmm. I mean, literally that show was, I mean, I'm not even talking about the Ben Stiller show, which you were part of, but like that show is Mount Rushmore of comedy. It is. It's, it's in there. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll put it up in the. Uh, you'd have to carve some more stuff in a Mount Rushmore, but yeah, but you, but if you, when you, if you were able to go around the behind Mount Rushmore <laughs> and do some, yes, we'll put Mr. Show in there. You are in the eye of Monty Python, like when Monty Python's <laughs> you eye is carved into the eye. Yes, take a look of what they're glimpse, watching coming up behind if you them. Glimpse, if yeah. you glimpse, look very closely. <laughs> Seasons are changing in LA. There's no better way, especially you live in a community like me where everything is a bike ride, a walk away, maybe a little bit further. There's no better way to get around than electric e-bike. These electric e-bikes transform your trips around town, whether it's to the beach in a carefree fun adventure, you can discover your local area and experience the freedom of the great outdoors, fun, fast, and foldable. These bikes come set up foldable and you can throw them in the back of your truck, take them out to the beach. They're freaking awesome. I have two electric e-bikes and we keep them out well i have one i have i think we have one at the beach and we have one at our house and i drive to the new studio in it and let me tell you it is crisp it is there's no better way to to enjoy the outdoors in my opinion whether it's a trip to the store or outdoor adventures they create a mode of transportation that anyone can ride features filled models can finance as low as 73 dollars per month your adventures won't cost a fortune they're they have a removable, powerful battery, a bright LCD display, seven-speed gear, gearing, five levels of pedal assist to assist your ride. Plus, obviously, you're going to cut down on your carbon footprint, and you're not going to you're going to keep money from you don't have to buy oil gas. Over two hundred and fifty thousand dedicated riders on the road so far, and they get up to twenty-eight miles an hour with this a twist of a throttle or next-level pedal assist. You can also add a cargo basket, which Leanne did. She added a cargo basket for like a nice comfortable upgrade, and you can even add passengers' accessories to certain e-bike models. They cost way less than the competition, and like I said, they are foldable, they ship free, and they come fully assembled. Start your next adventure with electric e-bikes. Ready, set, spring sale. Visit electricebikes.com to learn more and explore the new Expedition Cargo e-bike and all of the other epic models Electric has to offer. That's L E C. T R I C E bikes.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Uh, getting to know yourself is a lifelong process, especially you're always changing in life, whether it's getting married or, or getting divorced or, or having kids or kids going to college or kids. <laughs> I remember parenting. I realized 
I, I, it wasn't working for me. I couldn't get it to work. So I was doing what my dad did. I didn't realize that. I realized that once I started talking about it in therapy, I do entirely online therapy. That's why if you if if you ever thought about doing therapy, you gotta you gotta try BetterHelp. Give BetterHelp a try. For me, I realized that what I was doing is I was taking things to a level here, and I wasn't allowing any room for growth because my daughters knew. I was showing them worse it was going to get. I was raising my voice and I was acting irrationally and I was getting upset and the punishments were through the roof. Like, you're done, you're off your iPad, you're off your phone, you're staying home. And they were like, well, why not lie? And then I realized through therapy, and that's the point about therapy, you're always growing and things are changing. And the way you handled it when they were eight doesn't work when they're 15 and 16. I'm telling you, if you ever thought about giving therapy a try, Give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, which I swear by. I swear by because it's based on my schedule. I don't have to wait in traffic. I don't have to wait in line. I don't have to get a parking spot. I don't have to sit in a, in a, in a, in a, in a room and wait to talk to someone. And so that way it's convenient, it's flexible, and it's suited to my schedule. And it, it'll be suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a therapist. You get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Here's the deal. If you've ever thought about giving therapy a try, give BetterHelp a try. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Bert today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Bert. Tell me the luck. Give me a luck story about that, like a, okay. like a random luck story. I'll go back, back, back. Please. So the the... You'd have to go back to Janine, who was kind of responsible in a, in a uh, not a proactive way, but just as the centerpiece, I guess, uh, of introducing Bob and I. Um, so Janine, I met in Boston, uh, you know, through that the stand up, which which hadn't turned into the alternative scene yet, um, but was starting to foment, you know, there. And, uh, and then Janine, uh, got pretty successful in, in that world. She got a lot of, uh, you know, Hollywood attention. She eventually moved out to, uh, to LA from Boston. Um, and she had done a couple like sp spots and people just, you know, and she really was the first person in there with her notes. Her notes are falling down. She did not give a shit. She didn't care how, you know, she dressed the way she wanted to dress. And she literally brought out notes like on a Tonight Show set, kind of yeah. like, you know, that kind of did not care. And nobody else cared either, you know, except for like old, old school comics or like, you know, in their 60s. So then Janine came out and she got on. Uh, Larry Sanders? I think Stiller was first. Wasn't it oh, Stiller then Larry yeah, probably, Sanders? Probably, so yeah. so she she uh came out to LA, started doing sets, you know, everybody took notice very quickly. Um and then she I'd be curious to know what women were doing stand up at the time. I, I imagine well, it's Elaine Gosh, Boozler. it would have been I mean there was the old school kind of Rita Rudner and uh Ellen DeGeneres, uh, and that was back in the era. Don't forget, that was back in the era where people did stand up so they could get on a sitcom, yeah. which doesn't exist anymore. And and you know the true stand ups would get pissed off. Like you'd see a guy like Anthony Clark. Don't edit that. Uh, <laughs> and uh, you'd see guys like that. Do not edit that. Highlight that. And put some reverb on it. A little bit of echo. <laughs> <laughs> and you'd see, you'd see like P 
people like oh. that used to bum a lot of us out. Like you're, you don't care about stand up. This isn't pure to you. You yeah. don't give a shit. You're using this as a stepping stone. Uh, you're never writing any new material. You're getting your solid half hour and that's it. You don't care about performing. You don't care about, uh, any of it, the purity, the, yeah. the love of standup. And, uh, and you're just doing it to get on a sitcom, which, you know, uh, a lot of people did and it worked. He did and very they, successfully. Yeah. He had yeah. a, he was the, I mean, he was the lead in like two, uh, sitcoms. They both kind of tanked pretty well, he had quickly. Yes, dear. He had Boston common. He had mm -hmm. the one where he played a priest with Dan Aykroyd. Like he, like you're, there was that model and it was, it was a bummer to watch it. Yeah, because you and and that's when I showed up as a comic. Yeah, as a comic, you yeah, go it was like a bummer to watch. You go, oh, I brought my family out, and you're doing the exact same thing. Yeah. And it murdered, it murdered. But no, you were killed. like, like I want to see you write. I want to see what else you got. And you guys, I mean, we really were the forefront of that, in my opinion. Your generation and your generation. Well, we loved stand up. We yeah. still do. You know, it's yeah. really important. And uh, and and so Janine must have stood the fuck out when she oh, is yeah. not like. So my dad's Italian. Yeah. <laughs> and man, you know, his arms and are And she's also and... really smart. She's smart and she's gifted in a way. I was going to ask you before when you brought her up, uh, oh, the I last time you saw her. her. Yeah, yeah. Like, huge crush on her. Yeah, huge crush I, ever since day everybody one. Did. I'm everybody fucking, did. I, by the way, I have great... Keep going. I, I, I could talk did. about Janine Garofalo forever. Keep going. What were you going to say? She, well, you, I was going to ask the last time you saw her because she's still doing what she, she does. And I did... I don't know, a couple months ago, uh, this room in, in uh, New York called Caveat, and she, you know, uh, basically lives down the street, comes down. And and I just, I was watching, it was like 15 minutes, and she's just extemporaneously riffing on this. It started as a commercial. This is all off the top of her head. Yeah. It's like the, it's like freestyling. It's like Biggie Smalls skill freestyle, but with a comic, and- and just and also the the audience was kind of the age range was probably like 20 to 50 something and there were you know uh straight gay men women just every, all kinds and everybody yeah. was loving it and oh. and i was just sitting there you know i've been watching her for decades now but just jaw dropped at the at the skill and the how uh uh and just funny, just funny. And also like nobody else is going to come up with that. That's a Janine thought. And that's a, and just traveling yeah. down this thing where at the end of it, uh, you know, she, you know, it's like, well, I got to go. And you're like, you, you take your first breath. You're like, wow. I mean, she was at, literally out in the audience talking to people and it just never stopped. There's no downtime. She's kind of a, a quick talker too. Yeah. And it was just, I, I was just, uh, you know, reminded of her unique skills i had a brilliant uh moment with jenny groffalo she's obviously she can say whatever she wants if, if i misremembered this her memory is more accurate but my memory is spot on i'm not gonna forget hanging out with her and so uh we did a CISO taping oh <laughs> that's it, oh i remember CISO. Yeah. yeah in a warehouse yeah no ceiling no ceiling was maybe 80 feet in the sky a built set built backdrop this uh, is this must have been montreal I mean, what, that's that CISO thing collapsed like the. It's got to be two thousand seventeen, maybe two thousand. Well, you can tell. No, it was, before it was, that, it was, it was right when I got kicked off Travel Channel, so it's got to be. Well, it's got to be six years ago at least, almost yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and so not kicked off, fired, but uh, 
that's kicked off. Well, yeah, same time. Thanks, <laughs> thanks. I wish my yeah. fucking wife was here. She's all about semantics. <laughs> and so um, we did the show. It was me, John Doerr, Janine, uh, and then a bunch of people that were younger that were like a little more, uh, a little more. Exploitable? Yeah, Glad probably. So. But, but yeah, yeah. And so uh, uh, Janine went up, I think, first. And, uh, and I'm telling you from my perspective, absolutely murdered. I mean, it was the yeah, same thing. Yeah. It was a stream of consciousness rant that went from Teddy Roosevelt to Noam Chomsky to like just, I mean. To like, and also pop culture yeah, stuff. Pop culture. It was of... so brilliant. And I'm sitting in the back and you're watching. It's masterful. Yeah, It's yeah. masterful. And I'm sitting in the back, jaw drops. And like you said, she gets done. And you can tell, you can tell towards the end, she thinks she's not doing well. Yeah, and she's always, being, yeah. she's d diffusing it. Ah, you know, you know, and then gets yeah. off. And I'm like, wow. I was like, I, I, I know she doesn't drink, but I was like, I, I, I hope I get to see her somewhere near somewhere and say how much I liked it. And I went back, and she was hanging out in the hair and makeup room by herself, uh, not where the whole party was. And I said, Hey, what are you doing? And it's the, it's like I don't know, you know, you don't want this moment, but it's an interesting moment to have as a comic. She goes, I bombed, and I go, No, you not at all. And she goes, I'm embarrassed. And I was like, What do you mean you're embarrassed? What the fuck are you talking about? I go, Janine, it's CISO. Yeah, what the she's fuck? got some I, issues with I that. I go, Janine, stuff. you murdered your Janine yeah. Garofalo. Like, yeah. you didn't see bombing. You didn't see my set. I tried and I bombed. <laughs> like, I fucking tried. <laughs> I did material that works in clubs and I bombed. <laughs> I go, you're fucking a legend. I go, I go, you should come into the into the party. And she goes, I don't want to go. I don't like I, I, I didn't do well. I go, Janine, you didn't watch everyone else. You were fucking masterful up there. Please come in. I'm telling you, all anyone wants to do is say hi to you. Please. So we walked into the park. As second she walked in, everyone's like, Janine, you fucking murdered. And you could see her kind of light up. You know, she's never going to accept a compliment like that. But man, I, I that 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 comic, I fucking I could watch I could watch her eat crackers on stage. Uh, she's amazing. Back to the story. I'm so bad at this. You, she's doing well out here. She's doing stand up. This is how you and Bob. Oh yes. Yeah. Um, Sorry, I'm fucking no, horrible. No, no, please. This. I, I, look, it's having a conversation. That's what it is. We, yeah, you know, we fans. should be in a pub on our third beer at this point. So, so yeah. that's how I look at these things. But um, do you still drink? Yeah, too much. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Next time we'll have cocktails. Okay. I mean, it's early, but unless I, you want to, if you want to, I will. But if you don't, well, I, don't. <laughs> uh, I mean, I absolutely will. But I would do it. You know, um, you'll have to come to New York. Yeah. All right. And I'm I am gonna have a podcast. Uh when I get off the road, I'm gonna start that up. Um why you don't have one is insane to me. I'll tell you, and let's keep going off topic. I don't care. Yeah. I honestly don't give a shit. But uh I was talking about this with my wife last night. Amber Tamblin. Um Amber Tamblin. Uh, uh sister of my traveling pants. Say what? Was she an sister of my traveling pants? Yes. Uh I, I referenced that movie. So fucking much. <laughs> because you're a huge fan? No, no, no. I just, I saw of my, one I, or I, two. I don't remember. I don't remember which one. My, my sister is the one who got me to see it. And then I watched it. I, and yeah, then... I'm fucking one of those girls. <laughs> Dude, I'm fucking nailing one of those <laughs> pants girls. <laughs> but we, we, we have, we have, uh, we have in random parties with like bachelor parties or whatever, that movie always comes up as like, you should take this shirt. <laughs> it's but the yeah. brotherhood of the <laughs> shitty shirt. <laughs> yeah. But keep going. I'm sorry. Yeah. So uh, you're oh, yeah, talking so to we wife. Were, yeah. We were talking last night where, uh, um, 
about because I had neglected. This is a, a, a problem I have uh, that I just I don't tell people the things that I'm doing, and it always pisses, especially my family. But um, Amber and I were having a drink before going to dinner, and talking about podcast. I could I don't know. I came up and I was like, uh, she's like, hey, how was that thing that idea you were gonna have the podcast? And I was like, oh yeah, I'm doing it. He's like, what? Oh yeah, when I get off the road, I'll start. It's uh, who's it with? Uh, Headgum. Uh, what, what are you doing? You know, like all this. Yeah. I just neglected to tell her that stuff. And then we were talking about of uh, talking like this very conversation that I've had because I'm out here doing press for the tour. Um, press is now, uh, thankfully, it's stuff like this. You're not doing a, uh, you know, twenty interviews seven minutes long a piece with local newspapers you're not doing morning radio you're not people doing who the don't t- give a fuck about you and don't know right. who you are exactly way, i did that this morning yeah i did really? that this morning i they do call that i still do call-ins every now and yeah. then and so i'm in grand forks mm-hmm. and the guy goes so say a guy stumbles into your show what's he gonna expect and i go <laughs> i go i'm playing the arena I go, not a lot of people stumble into arenas and go, I wonder what's <laughs> yeah. going on in here. I wonder what this is. Holy shit. Wait, what the fuck? How, wait, it's only going to cost me 48 bucks to find out. 48? <laughs> what fucking arena shows are you going to? It's going to, this is 70, two seventy five dollars tickets. <laughs> yeah. We're going to load up with merch. I wonder what the fuck is happening. What the fuck? Here's I'm my credit card. I want to take a peek. I was like, dude, no one's stumbling into this. Yeah. And he goes, well, what can they expect? I go, tell them to be shocked. Just tell them to tell them to do what you should have done, which yeah. is just three minutes of research on the internet. It's was, all out there. Take ninety I, seconds, dude, yeah, and take a. Uh, you tell me. The idea that anyone will walk by an arena and go, "I see a line." <laughs> human being also the park. Pull storms over. the Capitol. <laughs> He's not a thoughtful fucking person. <laughs> oh. Yeah. And what did, what did have the guy react when you called him on he it? Goes, uh, that's pretty good. That's a pretty sweet. Yeah, he goes, well, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know. And then he, and then he goes, his last question, I was like, last question, super important. Um, If there's a biopic about you, who do you want to play you? And I went, oh, that's oh. going to be tough. Now, it's, it's just so we're clear. There is a biopic. So yeah. I go, maybe Ryan Reynolds. And he goes, <laughs> he goes, interesting. Why Ryan Reynolds? I go, how no? I saw some of his your, your work when he was younger, and he did that college movie. I just liked it. I haven't seen what he's doing lately, but that one was good. And he was like, oh fuck, and those. I, I, you guys were so. You guys were the first ones I ever saw acknowledge how bad those interviews were and oh. react in the room. Like yeah, yeah. My best friend's this comedian, Tom Segura. You probably don't know him. And if you do, don't even mention Tom? him. No, you don't know him. You don't know him. You don't know him. He's a fat, disabled comedian. <laughs> no, but I'm that's joking. Ha- that's why I know him because he's the fat, disabled comedian, right? <laughs> yeah. He yeah. stubbed his big toe a couple years ago, and he can't, and it hurts. He yeah. cries a lot. And so he was He was like, you guys were like, I'm not that guy. I don't like conversation. So I would, I would a lot of times sit through those shitty interviews and just try to like, you know, put my best smile on. And Tom was like, you guys, where he's like, oh, I'm, I think I'm done here. You, you guys don't know who the fuck I am, huh? And he's like, no one's doing any, and he would start lighting people up. But you guys, your generation was the first generation that was like, I am not doing these horrible seven minute fucking interviews. Where they're, they're pretty, they're pretty painful, man. Well, yeah. Bob, Bob and I used to have a unspoken, I mean, it was spoken at some point, but an unspoken understanding and a rule basically 
when we were doing press that if we and if it became clear and it usually you know uh showed itself within 15 20 seconds the first or second conversation yeah. or even meeting them before the camera rolled if the person didn't know us or mr show or anything about it then we would just lie and we'd spend the entire whatever seven 12 minutes just making up crazy shit and that's their interview and then they yeah. could go to press with that that's the f- making just cr- trying to make each other laugh you know Sugur um, used to go in dressed as dj dadmel and <laughs> if they didn't know who he was he would dress as a character mm-hmm. and they go he go yeah yeah i do comedy on the side but i'm really a dj and he'd have a and they go oh tell us about your djing and he would just completely do an interview dressed as a character named dj dadmouth and look at him and so he would dress like this that's great and not talk about his stand-up at all i fucking love that i have so much love and respect for that yeah. where is that what is so and these people clearly have no idea they have who no, he is they have no yeah. idea good for him i love that shit i've been doing that i mean you, i've been doing well, that you guys since. were the kind of the first because i don't think a lever it'll never get enough no one ever understand it the way it, it came down and that is just a pass passerby comedy fan especially if you're if you're if you're discovering comedy now but like back in the day it was like and i it was it was like you played along with radio and if they were shitty yeah. you ended up having to deal with shitty radio and you guys didn't do that but podcasting now things have changed you're getting guys like myself who i have somewhat of a following but i'm i'm a huge fucking fan so you're getting it's this is so superior this is so much more fun than what it used to be even i don't know five years ago yeah like you'd you'd do the rounds you do the tonight show and i was talking to because i've been doing this and i really really enjoy it because you're having a conversation we're talking about real things we're talking there's no bullshit yeah and uh and you can go for stretches without you're not cramming a bunch of jokes into some you know, uh, somebody who's talking over you is not listening to you going, <laughs> oh, that's great. So here's another thing. Now we got a, uh, we got a question from Denitra, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. and we're, you know, you're like-minded people and I, I really enjoy this. And I like talking. I like having conversations, which is why eventually I, I came to the, the, uh, I, I, I came around on podcasts, not that it was anti-podcast, but I was like, you know what? I enjoy this. I like talking. I like, I'm a big drinker, talking in the bar guy. I, I mean, Me that that too. is what I'm happiest when I've had a few drinks and I, it's me and some friends and perhaps friends of friends who I don't know, who I don't even get along with maybe. Yeah. And we're at a pub or a, a bar oh, yeah. and, you drink, and you're talking... And you're changing minds. I'm, my mind is being changed. I'm getting edified with information. Like we're we're getting deep in stories and stuff like that. Those are and that's a podcast can be the closest thing to that that didn't exist prior to podcasts. Yeah, you know what I mean. I I love um, the, this is really for me. I mean, not like I like I I I'll have guys I have my friends in right. Like I've always had my friends in, but they're getting to do this with you. This is a treat for me. Like I get to pick. You you have brain. no. When I found out, I got to drive to Van Nuys this morning. I'm going. I'm going to go to uh, Bert's house, and I and I said I want to wait till it's under construction, and 
And so, because I was originally supposed to come here when it, there was not a whole construction yeah. crew in here. It was and hard to get these guys in this quick. <laughs> I don't know if you can hear it in the background. Fuck. I don't know how good your equipment is, but there's yeah. power saws oh, and drills fucking... and, and they're ripping things up. And I was like, that's what I want to go do is podcast. I, and I want to dr- I want to drive. I want to get a come out from New York. I want to get a shitty Airbnb right off San Vicente Boulevard, like literally off the on the street, uh, where I cannot figure out the heat or the AC. So that like last night, um, I had a, I got up because I woke up and I was like, it's ninety degrees in here, and I don't know, and I don't see so well, and I'm over at the AC unit that I can't figure out, and I go, okay, I think I just turned off the heat, and then wake up an hour later going. Fucking the AC's on and it's 61 degrees in here. Jesus Christ. And my daughter's, you know, I don't want to, my daughter's sleeping in the room. I'm like, oh my God. And then getting up again every hour on the hour because I can't figure out the AC in this shitty fucking Airbnb. I had to rent. And then again, rental car. The the Kia uh, Sonora, I think it is, and uh, and and drive to Van Nuys this morning. Uh, it's like it's, it's, it's a dream. It's, I know it's, it's, a dream it's like nine true. dreams come true. Yeah, what other podcasts are you doing when you're out here? Out here? Um, well, if you must know, I'm always uh, curious because because my my special is coming out March 14th, and I'm lining up podcasts mm-hmm. in New York, and I'm usually I would I would argue, and this is, sounds very. I'm usually good at finding good podcasts to be honest. I'm, I like podcasts. Mm. So I listen to good podcasts. Like I listen to a lot of podcasts. If I could just get on a fucking history, I love history podcasts. I go to, I could listen to history podcasts all day long. Do you, do you uh, <clears throat> listen to the dollop? Of course. Dave yeah. Anthony, yeah. Gareth Reynolds is going on tour with me this weekend. Oh, right. On. I'm taking with me him because we're going uh, through Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And so I'm taking him. Oh, you were saying you love nonfiction books too. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I love history. I love yeah. history. Um, but the dollops and I mean, I've been on the dollop a couple times. There's a bunch of great podcasts to do in New York that I that uh well I you, I'm holding you to this. You're gonna do mine when I get uh, mine up. But we and have to drink. Yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I'm I'm a much I'm a really good podcast guest. I'm a horrible host. <laughs> I would not say you're a horrible host. My initial you're premise in, of this podcast charming and endearing and <laughs> and real. My initial premise of this podcast was having people interview me. Because I know I know I can carry a podcast. Interesting. And so and well, it backfired immediately because the first person I did was in a hotel room in Mexico, mm-hmm. and it was the bartender of the bar. <laughs> and very quickly, you got the energy that he felt I was trying to fuck him. Oh, <laughs> and, come on! Now. And I was like, oh no, he was like, he was like, I don't like. You could tell he just wanted to get out of the room. But I was like, no. How this did my you podcast. convince him in the first place? We were drunk. And we were doing shots. I was doing Travel Channel at the time. And it was like right when I was launching this. And I was like, so I'm going to have people interview me because they don't know anything about me. So I was like, would you be my... I like that idea. I mean, I would, yeah. as, a, as a viewer, I would like to I've had a lot of that. good ideas of podcasts that I just never followed through with. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and so then he was like, yeah, I'll do it. It was a Mexican dude, like old, older. So we get to the room and then it's just, and then he realizes it's just two microphones and an H4N recorder. Oh, you didn't even have like a camera cam- guy. No, that cameras weren't yeah. the thing then. It was just right. it was me and him. And he was like, Where is everybody? Oh, I totally would have been done the same thing. <laughs> even if I knew you. Even if I was your best friend, I'd be like, What the fuck is going on here? Are you trying to fuck me? Because you don't have to go through all of this. <laughs> He's like, How does this get to them? And I'm like, and his English wasn't great. And I was like, No, we put it in here and then I'll post it. And he goes, Okay. And he's like, around the room and he just got 
no. really uncomfortable. And I was like, I was like, all right, I guess that's not going to be my podcast. And so then uh, I love it. I love it. I love it. And I love listening to podcasts. I can't wait. You've been on Marin before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a good one. You were on in the early days, though, right? I think I did it a couple times. Yeah. Um, and yeah, pretty early. Uh, I mean, we ones, go way back. We those were, ones were my favorite, favorite, favorite out of all the Marins. And I love that. He, I love what he's doing now. Like, I mean, he's just he's a really masterful interviewer. But when he would have people on that he had beef with, mm-hmm. and they'd figure out their beef on the air. Yeah, he's he's a he's a confrontational by nature. He's confrontational. Yeah, but he's also got uh you know a wildly vacillating self-esteem issues so when you when you combine confrontational with a guy who can can swing 180 degrees on whether he's got any value or not i mean that is a (laughs) potent combo and that's why he's he's cornered that thing he's he's perfect he's perfect you'd think his stand-up would be better the uh (laughs) (laughs) but you get that <laughs> no, uh, his, he's got a new special on HBO Max. It's pretty great. He's, yeah, I haven't I, seen it. I will yeah. see it when I go home. Yeah, it just I, came I love out. Mark. He's been he's been a a ball buster my whole like ever like ever oh, since. Dude, I was... you didn't know him when he drank, but he because he's been sober for a while. But yeah, holy shit, he was awful. Really, he was awful. He was a bad drunk, and a and you take you take what I just said. Yeah, the confrontational and wildly vacillating self esteem issues and. From Bleak to Dark is the name of his special. Give him a shout out. Yeah, great. I'm sure it's great. I'm gonna. I'll watch it when I get back home. Yeah. Oh, there's an early one. Look at that. Look at that pre facial. Oh hair. wow! Look at. He looks so much better with a mustache. He looks. He looks right with a mustache. Yeah, he it does. Looks, yeah. He looks better as an old man. I got to be honest with you. Yeah. Like he looks look better. That. Look than, that. The, the young Mark Marin. I just. I don't trust. <laughs> I don't trust and I don't I don't appreciate you what you look he's at saying. that guy going you're gonna have to go through some shit my friend yeah yeah and now he's gone through the shit yeah. and you're like okay I'm listening yeah the uh yeah I, I uh you were saying back in the day when you guys were all young he was just he was uh well he was he was pretty cocky too um but he was good he was a successful he's one of those guys who had his uh, uh foot firmly in both worlds of stand-up where he could go <laughs> yeah see hey um, how, how aggressive is this <laughs> that, was, that, that was bad that is was he bad. Is, are they are they drilling into this room <laughs> right underneath me pretty much yeah um this is the next iteration one day you're, you, this is so this whole house is our podcast studio yeah so this is the my, my room and then my wife has a podcast um how does your wife not have a podcast um, you know what? She would be great for a podcast, but she just started a Substack. I mean, she's a writer by nature, and she yeah. really, she's a great writer. Has seven books out now, and uh, uh, and you know when she when the this kind of uh, what what was like tertiary kind of stuff from from what we normally do, uh, she gravitated towards uh, having a substack because she's just a natural born writer I mean, you, you think writes, I, writes, I don't writes. know what a substack or a tertiary means what's tertiary uh the uh, something on the side okay it, that that's kind of uh you know it's not part of this thing but it is kind of part it's yeah. sort of not a great description but uh you know ancillary error what's it's, substack substack is a way to pu- self-publish oh, for uh, your own stuff yeah it's really great for writers because they um especially like investigative journalists and people who are writing kind of opinion things because so many 
papers have collapsed. So many uh, magazines are, are uh, you know, just not, they're not, we used to have, you know, millions of magazines and now uh, a lot of the writing where it's your, it, you control everything, it's autonomous and uh, you put your stuff out there. How much, this is a weird question, but how much did she change you? Um, I mean, pretty dramatically, but I because would... you seem like you seem like a you you seem like a very you've always seemed to me like a very thoughtful progressive dude. Just mm -hmm. like I, I've always felt like I don't think anyone in your group the you're like your group of comics the kind of Boston, San Francisco, L.A., um, UCB, uh, uh, kind of like that world. You guys were always very progressive, thinking minded people. But your wife is is very like your wife's your very wife's a very thoughtful person. She is. Uh, I, I, I and, and this I only know this from hearing her online and stuff. I don't yeah. know. I don't know her. She. Uh, I mean, I, I to to go back to the question and, and then uh, then address this. But uh, you know, she changed me uh, because I never thought I was going to get married. Not, yeah. not. I didn't. I wasn't anti marriage. I just didn't think I was the kind of guy that was going to get married. But. Um, I would say that I was ready to change when I met her. Yeah. Like I had, I had way too much irresponsible fun and I was getting too old for that kind of where it's a little unseemly and, and, and it was, it was time to dial that thing back. Yeah. And so I met her, you know, we connected immediately and we've been together pretty much since we met. Uh, and, so, I mean, I changed, but I would say that I was ready to settle down. As I, well. was, I was a horrible human being when I met my wife. Like, <laughs> yeah. horrible. Misogynistic. Was... Didn't know it. Misogynist, very misogynistic. I didn't know it. And my I, wife, like, I... highlighted it for me. She's like, just yeah. giving you a heads up. We're getting you in therapy. And I was like, huh? She's like, <clears throat> you're a misogynist, but I know that you love your mom and your sisters. And I know how you feel about women, but you're saying things that aren't connecting with that. So, like... Mm -hmm. Let's get to the base of that. And so wow, I was that's like, "Pretty, pretty impressive." Oh, uh, my wife. I, I. What's her podcast? It's called Wife of the Party. <laughs> and so, that's it's, a good title. I it's like it's title. really it's a great podcast. She does very thoughtful interviews. She really like thinks about them mm -hmm. and writes down questions. I say stuff like like I'll, this morning we were laying in bed and I go, "What do I talk to David Cross about?" She's like, "What do you want to know?" I go, "How much money he has?" That's always my fucking <laughs> question. Yeah. I want to know. I was I did a podcast with Adam Kroll and all he said was, how much money did you lose like when you got fired from Clear Channel? Like that's <laughs> always my question. But uh, but she, um, to this day, I mean, I have changed her. That's a good question. How much have you changed your wife? Because I changed my wife in like, my wife did not know how to fight. Like, because mm -hmm. she's a redneck. She grew up in Georgia. Mm -hmm. And so her thing was like, I'm right, you're wrong, fuck you. You're not pushing me on the couch. Like, that's the way my wife's brain thought, you know? And so I was like, no, we can both be wrong. We can figure it out. We can find a middle ground. We can say we're sorry. She still has a hard time saying she was sorry. But, like, I changed the that's way That's so interesting because of your relationship with your dad. I, well, I only learned how to say I'm sorry. That's all I know how to do. Wow, that's, that's really, I'm, that's kind of heavy, man. Yeah, I only know how to say I'm sorry, and I only know how to change my opinion. Dude, I got a new tour bus coming and I'm getting a Helix mattress. I am so freaking excited for this Helix mattress. Helix mattress, if you don't know, is the mattress. It is the mattress company 
that it specifies the mattress for you. What you do, this is what we did. And, and look, there's a lot of copy. They have, I can tell you everything. They have 14 unique mattresses, including a collection of luxury models, mattresses for big and tall sleepers, even a mattress made just for kids. But here's the thing you need to know. You go on, you take their sleep quiz. It gives It's a two-minute quiz. It tells you, based on your preferences, what mattress you'll need. Uh, then they ship it to you, to your door. And I swear to God, I did a video for this. It sets up in less than two minutes. I set it up in actually less than two minutes. I set it up quicker. They also give you pillows. It is the most comfortable mattress you've ever slept in because it's specified for your body. And here's the deal. They know there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 15, 10 to 15-year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress. Everyone's unique, and everyone sleeps different. That's why they have several different models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and preferences. Models with memory foam layers to optimize optimal pressure relief. If you sleep on your side, that's what I have, and I'm telling you, it helps with your shoulder. That's my biggest problem is I'd wake up, and my shoulder would be sore, and I'm like, damn it, what do I have, dead arm? Um... And if your spine needs a little TLC, which everyone's does, they got you. Every Helix mattress has a hybrid design combining individually wrapped steel coils in the base with premium foam layers on top. It's the perfect combination for comfort and support. I'm telling you, we it's all we have in our house is Helix mattresses. And I'm getting one for my tour bus, and I cannot freaking wait. They are so comfortable. Here's the deal. Helix is offering up to 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows. For our listeners, go to helixsleep.com slash Bert. This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts right now. I love when the weather starts warming up, getting out in the yard, digging. I, I'm telling you right now, as a homeowner, there's no more fun than setting up your backyard. I watch I watch it on Instagram, dudes uh, planting seed. It's the first feeling I ever had as a phone owner, phone, home phone owner, a home owner. But if you're like me and you love spring, you may not know how to figure out how to take care of your yard. Does anyone else just stand there in the store wondering where to start? I have been there and that's where Sunday Lawn Care comes in. They are everything you need to get the lawn of your dreams. This spring, go to getsunday.com slash Bert and enter your address to get a customized plan created for your lawn. They figure out all the stuff you need, send it to you. All you got to do is enter in your address. No more trips to the store, hauling heavy bags since they ship directly to your home. All you need is a hose to apply Sunday. You can fertilize the whole lawn in less time than it takes to watch an episode of your favorite TV show. And it's I'm telling you right now, I love sitting in my yard and fertilizing. It is such a rewarding feeling. And they only use ingredients that you can feel good about. No harsh chemicals. No long waiting periods to try to keep your kids or pets off the lawn. Simply apply, let it dry, and you're back to enjoying your yard. Sunday is easy and affordable. Some lawn care services cost more than $1,500 a year. But Sunday's full season plan starts at just $109. And Sunday is offering our listeners 20% off. Full season plans start at just $109. You can get 20% off when you visit. GetSunday.com slash Bird at checkout. That's 20% off your custom plan at GetSunday.com slash Bird. Hmm. You, you were, I, I mean, I hate to bring this up. I don't know. I don't, and by the way, Ed, whatever the fuck you want out, but you just did that salon article that was going viral about you saying, like, it's okay to change your opinion. 
Yeah. Dude, I've had audience members change my opinion so often. Yeah. That I don't even know if I write my material anymore. <laughs> like, I, I've had audience members come up to me and go, I don't think you meant to say what you said. Mm-hmm. And I go, oh, I think I did. I'm like, no, because what I heard was, you think I'm less than human. And I was like, that's not what I meant. And they're like, exactly. Right, right, right. Yeah, and so, so yeah, I, I definitely agree with what you said. Uh, I mean, well, I don't know what, when I got a thing from my uh, cousin like three or four days ago that just an email that said, uh, Fox News, what the fuck? Question mark, exclamation mark. And then I could just see, I saw the headline and I was like, well, I didn't say that. And uh, yeah. <laughs> and I didn't even read. I just uh, deleted it. Yeah. And I was like, I don't need to know their whatever selective editing bullshit out of context stuff is. But I know, I certainly know the interview just, I mean, it was like three weeks ago. So yeah, that was, I remember uh, very clearly. And I, and I, you know, in that, in that interview, uh, in the original one, I, I don't know what they selectively pulled out, but, uh, all I read was what they selectively pulled out. Yeah, that's yeah. like, that's all anyone reads. If you days. go to the, inter- you know, it was like, I, I, I'm speaking from my experience that I had, out. uh, is someone uh, typing this in the fucking screen? <laughs> is someone like, can yeah. you please change the subject? <laughs> Is is giving you a reminder to go back to this? Oh, okay, good question. Oh, all the questions I've asked that I didn't let him answer. Yes, oh, there's okay. like yes. yeah, hundred eight of those. <laughs> how you met Bob? Uh, right down. How you met Bob? <laughs> Going way back to how you doing? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you like baseball? <laughs> no, but uh, I I uh, uh, I remember really clear, and I I do have some of the obstinance that I refer to that some of the other comics have. Uh, I mean, I really, I used to have a bit about the N word, oh, about I... saying the N word as a phrase, as a, in place of saying the N word <laughs> and how confusing yeah. it is and how I'm not going to do it. And, and that's something, you know, whatever, 12, 14, 15 years ago, I was like, I'm, you know, this is bullshit. It's, uh, it's not, it's illogic. And, uh, and, and then I think actually the thing had something to do with that, that the The woman said, yeah, it was, um, I don't remember it because it wasn't an important joke. That was the, the key. It was like, I'm, she was really, um, it was very civil conversation. She was clearly, yeah. uh, 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 you know, a little upset. She was a fan. She came to the show. She and her boyfriend, uh, but she had an issue with this thing. And I sat down. I was like, "Let's talk about this." Yeah. And uh, and we had a good conversation. And I couldn't defend it. It didn't matter. It just didn't matter. Yeah. It's a throwaway line. Who gives a shit? I'm not going to do it knowing I'm hurting people well, just for the like fuck you. I'm you can't tell me what to say, what not to say. Actually, you can suggest it. I'll listen to your suggestion. Nine out of ten times, I'm going to dismiss it. And go here's why I say this. I'm going to continue saying it. But every once in a while, I just couldn't defend it. Yeah, I, I, I've so man, gone. I've been there so much. Yeah, because I, I write uh, somewhat irresponsibly. And I and I talk on stage somewhat. If I'm doing sure. like a club, I'll talk somewhat irresponsibly. Same here. And, and you have to, you have to, because you never know where that takes you. You never know in that moment when you're improving or going off on something, or yeah. maybe and an that's... audience interaction where it gets you there. Totally. 
I have I I had a young woman in um in DC that I'll never forget for the rest of my fucking life. Beautiful, and she came up to me at the meet and greet and said, "I, I was amazing, show. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. I need you to know that I'm a fan. I'm a fan. I listen to your wife's podcast. I got to talk to you this about this joke. I didn't like it, and I was like, okay. And so I'm like listening to her. It was very casual, very civil. And as she explained it to me, I went, that is not my intention in that joke. And she was mm-hmm. like, I didn't think it was. She's like, you just really work on it if you love it. Or you can also, I think you're better than it. And I went, I'm definitely better than it. And I was like, you're right. And my intention was, and I, and I, and I, the, uh, I, by the way, and I, the, uh, I don't ever want anyone to leave my show being like, fuck, that sucked. I ruined my night. I, cause, and I look, everyone can do whatever they want with comedy. That's the, every, you get to do it. Once you get on stage, you get to pick what you want to do with comedy. But my thing with comedy is I just want to make, I want to make everyone feel better. I want everyone to have a good time. I want everyone to laugh. I want to take chances. I want to push buttons. I want to do all the, I, I, I mean, I'm not in a rush to be the edgiest guy in the room, but like I want, I want to take big swings mm-hmm. and I want, and I'm going to fail. And you need to allow me that, that width to fail. But like at the end of the day, if you're a fan and you come up to me and you're like, yo, <laughs> like I am definitely willing to fucking listen. I, and when I read, when I, I just read that and I went, oh, I've been there. I fucking, yeah. Most comics have been there. Yeah, I think most have. And, and I'm just not going to be obstinate for the, obstinate's yeah. sake. That, and, that's, that is a fool's fucking journey. And, and again, I, I mean, 90% of the time somebody has an issue, my wife sometimes, and I'm like, I'm going to do that joke because here's why. And I explain it, but every once in a while, I try to defend it and I can't. And yeah. then I go, well, you know, I don't need that joke, that that throwaway line if it's going to yeah. hurt people. Fuck that. Yeah. And here's the other thing that's kind of cool about comedy is like I'll I'll have a joke like that. I had a joke about um, about Confederate statues. Never made it into mm-hmm. a special. Uh, I love I love the joke. I mean, I still think it's a fucking brilliant joke. I love it's one like I don't write a lot of jokes jokes, but I out of that one I I was like and it was and I was writing it during the whole fucking June like the Black Lives Matters marches mm-hmm. and this is not this is not going well. Every time I tried it and I was like, guys, that's not what I'm trying to say. I told it one time on Two Bears One Cave we had to edit it out because <laughs> Tom's like, oh, and I was like, <laughs> well, no, I but I know it. it's there. I have to hear the joke. <laughs> uh. Well, you need a, you need a, the, so in order to tell the joke, I, I, what I figured out about this joke, mm-hmm. I had to preface what I was talking about. So do you ever remember the meme of, uh, during COVID of the black dude on the edge of the bed? With oh the yeah. Yeah. Di- okay. Yeah. So I said, uh, here's, there's a similarity. I'm seeing a similarity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to tell a joke about that first in order to tell that. That's what I okay. learned. In this joke, because I couldn't go, I couldn't go right into it. Because people yeah. didn't know what I was saying. But right. I said, people ask me all the time, "How do you feel about Confederate statues?" I feel the same way about Confederate statues as I do bad tattoos. I feel like I don't believe in their removal. I think we should just cover them up, like put bigger statues on top of them. That way, you'll you won't forget your past, but you'll see your future. You'll see where you're going. For instance, father and son are walking through a park in Alabama. Son's like, "Yo, dad, what's that statue?" And he goes, that statue, son, reminds us of the 2020 coronavirus. That man's name was Wood. And he reminds us, it's a very popular meme that was passed around. And he reminds us of a time when it was us as a country against the virus and not us against each other. 
to a son, you know what's really fascinating? If you look very deep into his pubic hair, that's Robert E. Lee on his horse. <laughs> and so I, I worked it. It's, by the way, never made it into a special. If you hadn't prefaced it, I would have had no fucking idea of what you were talking about. Yeah. But you prefaced it, and that's a good joke. And it's yeah. uh, it's written. That's like a joke joke. Yeah, yeah. I don't, joke. Do, I don't do a ton of joke jokes. And so, but I had to do another joke, which made my special, uh, in order to tell that joke. And I had to figure that out. And I, and, mm -hmm. and, Every, and and I and I was doing this chunk about Nick Cannon because I thought it was funny. I was like, I think if we're learning anything right now, uh, you know, in the, in the media and on social media about race relations, as white people, we just need to do our part and listen. For me, I've been watching a lot of Wild and Out, and uh, like, and then that was that was throwing people off. So like, you slamming Wild and Out. I was like, what's sad is I was watching a lot of Wild and Out, yeah. and I was like, and if, I, if you learn anything from Wild and Out, it's better when the white guy doesn't talk, and so. <laughs> But it was like, so all these things, but these are all things that if not done in the right sequence, if not done in the right order, they come off wrong and you got to figure those out. And, and I think, I think what I find now is most, I don't think I've been in front of a lot of comedy audiences that aren't willing to give you that, 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 that breath. It was a breath with, what is it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. uh the, the, the space, the time, yes. the, the, well, that's, yeah. to me, that's the, that, that should be understood by the audience. I would I would hope that it's understood by the audience that when you when you're doing a set somewhere, when you're you know doing and you know working material out, you get to have all those mistakes. When you go out on tour and you're like, okay, it's we're gonna pay a lot of money to get a babysitter and come down here. This yeah. is your night, and uh, you should have that set ready to go figured out there you shouldn't know. be a lot of big mistakes in that yeah there shouldn't be a lot of big mistakes so uh and the the you know those kind of incidences i've had uh or when you're working material out because yeah. you have to work it out you got to figure it out and and, and like you <clears throat> you know you're you the experience you just described like you don't know if that's good and what's it if it's not good why it's not good until you do it yeah so you hope people give you the leeway yeah i i uh I always get skeptical when I, I anything written these days always rubs me wrong. So I go, well, what did the whole thing look like? Mm -hmm. Like I, that's that was my whole thing. Um, but yeah, I, I, I mean, you. What's interesting is that is you do get pulled. People, it's like you are one of those guys that Fox News goes, oh, he's the he's the left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I always go, oh, he's just a comic. Yeah, and they they kind of ignore. I pissed off plenty of lefties, and this will this this will you know. You think? Uh, I don't I, think any. I don't think anyone that listens to this is coming for politics. Oh no, I meant the thing that the oh, Fox oh. thing. Oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, um, but yeah, they 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 tend to ignore conveniently ignore some some stuff that you know. I, I mean, I'm I'm kind of a definitely way more people on the right. My last special, the uh, I'm from the future you know, goes way into the anti-mask, anti-vaccine folks. Uh, and those there's are- a part, There's a part of you I always thought that you like to tickle the people, you like to tickle the bullies. Oh, yeah. Does that make sense? Well- I think all comics should tickle bullies until, you know, like I think that's part of comedy. I, well, I mean, it, it can be. Yeah. And it, it's certainly part of my stuff, which is- uh, um, Again, why I want to be sensitive to I, I don't want to punch down. I want to punch up, you know. And uh, and I've done plenty of things where I know I'm pissing everyone off. 
like everyone. Where uh, two tours ago, I mean, I had a signal with my tour manager, and if I asked for a certain beer, like there'd be uh, uh, in my rider, I'd have two, you know, a, a lager and a and an IPA, and I if I asked for the IPA, you know, by the brand name, uh, then that meant, uh, because usually I'd, whatever it that meant that there's no encore. Uh, put my stuff by the side of the stage. I'm not kidding. And I'm running to the bus or running to the hotel because I, my safety is, uh, you know, I'm really? feeling weirded out. Yeah, I had some issues, you know. For real? Yeah. That fucking pisses me off. It It's, it, you know, I had a guy, I had a security guy. This is one, the last tour I did. Uh, oh, come on. And I, uh, I was in Pittsburgh. I was at the Carnegie... Carnegie Mellon, the, what, yeah, it's over know, by the Hol- campus. It's Holman really beautiful, Hall or something yeah. like that. Or uh, it's beautiful. It was a great room. I, I played it's it a beautiful a couple room. Times. But it's a beautiful. It's right. It's go- there's gorgeous uh, parks right around there. It's fucking absolutely. It's beautiful. like kind of on a hill. Yeah, like on a, yeah. And it's uh, I've always had uh, good shows there. And um, uh, and you know sometimes they they just assign security. I didn't ask for security, but occasionally you have they just the theater has yeah. a guy. And so there's a guy in the you know classic black windbreaker with security and white on the back and there's one guy on either side of the stage and um i hadn't had any real issues on that tour uh and then uh and i had just i i'm very uh specific about sequencing which yeah. i think i think a lot and you kind of uh, alluded to it before but it's really important sequencing uh, is is an unknown uh, uh thing that like the the fan wouldn't really think about, but yeah. it's really important. Um, and and I always do like twenty minutes of kind of nothing up front, except obviously I didn't do that. I'm from the future, but uh, which has Holocaust stuff from the very beginning. But um, it was you know kind of benign little yeah. stuff, nothing you know cutesy little things. And uh, before I get into the heavier stuff, and I just, I mean, I'm less than two minutes into Trump stuff. And the guy, the security guy on my left, stage left, is like, this is fucking bullshit. I quit. <laughs> and takes his uh, jacket off and throws it. And everybody thought it was a plant because the way it came in the in the show was perfect. And people were really confused, totally thought it was a bit oh. as he went up. And he, it was one of those things, you know, the, the theater door. So... So he's kind of backlit once the yeah. door closes and it's like kind of darker, but you can see him and he's yelling and he's like a, a cameo of this guy, going, blah, 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 you know, and everyone for a minute, everyone thinks it's a bit and how's it going to pay off? Is this guy going to come back? He's a yeah. plant. Cause yeah. I've done that before. I've had shows yeah. where I have plants in the audience and, uh, and then telling people that it was real. They still didn't believe me. And there, it was just the weirdest hiccup in a show it all worked out great it was yeah. really because then people came around to starting to understand like oh that's that was really that really happened yeah the, the security guy the guy who's supposed to protect you from the people who are going to throw things at you i had a Wait. i had a uh i had a security guard who could not uh uh it's it's happened to me, me mostly with like deaf people because I, I had two jokes about deaf people and uh, if you were, I you would think I'd planted them. You would think I'd fucking planted them. <sighs> it's. I wish I. I wish I had that well, much. Tell me. Tell me. Tell me. Tell me. Uh, I had a. I had. 
I had this chunk about uh, my. Uh, it's on my new special, so I don't want to go into it. But okay, it's sure. about it's about uh, deaf people, and, and one of the security guards was deaf, and there was a signed person signing, mm-hmm. and the security guard was watching the signing person, mm-hmm. and the signing person was going back and forth, and I'm like, oh fuck, our security guard's deaf. I was like, how are they going to hear anything coming? My like, what? What are they going to fucking just? So you're watching her. So if you're watching her, I'm fucked. And then I'm saying this, and then they're saying it, and then the woman starts looking at me, and I'm like, motherfucker. <laughs> it was, I've had, uh, I've had every fucking shit show. I'm, cause I'm not a very thoughtful person, meaning not, I'm thoughtful for people, but I don't think out life very far ahead in advance. Mm-hmm. So I often get myself into situations. Yeah, I've had, I've had, uh, security guards going, I'm not protecting you. Yeah. Yeah. I've had, I had one in, I, I had a joke about my dog being Mexican. Uh, cause my, it's an old joke, but our our oldest dog we adopted, we adopted from she was from the barrio, mm-hmm. so it's, didn't speak English. Well, we didn't realize that. We didn't realize that until we got her. I mean, she was like the dog doesn't fucking listen. And then we had this uh, uh, yard guy who's uh, who's Mexican, and he said, "What's her name?" We said Mona, but she doesn't pay attention. He goes, "Oh, uh, what do you say? Siéntate, Monita," and she just sat. And we're like. She speaks fucking Spanish, and it was it's it's obviously if you fucking have a dog that grows up around Spanish people, they're not going to go go out of their way to speak English to them. Right. Sit. They teach yeah. them how to fucking speak Spanish, and so I said, call my dog a cholo, and this dude fucking he was like, "I will not be protecting you." Wow. Fuck you, you're racist. And I go, first of all, part of me is like, "Is cholo a bad word?" I was like, "I thought it was regular. I thought that, that's, I didn't yeah. know that was a bad word." And then and I was like, I was like, "Fuck, do I need to change?" I go, "I've already recorded this special." <laughs> I I didn't know it was a bad word. Yeah, I, I mean I, in a, in a like you know that kind of way. Yeah, yeah. Don't talk. Don't fuck. Are you in San Antonio? No. Okay. Well, you're safe. Why? What? I don't, don't say Cholo. Or don't bring up Selena. Uh, well, there goes my Selena charm. <laughs> So wait, how did you meet Bob? So tell, finish me. I got to get you out of here. I don't want you to have to do this too long. I could, by the way, I can do this for, with you forever. <laughs> okay. You know, I got to be honest. I'll come with you, back. We'll, it, we'll do yeah, it part two. We'll come back. We'll do. We'll, we'll have, answer all the. <laughs> we'll have cold beers. I'm dying to talk to you about what drinks you enjoy. I'm trying. I'm dying to do your podcast. When do you start your podcast? Do you know? Um, I'm going to be out on tour for until uh, April. I saw. Right? No, 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 no. That's I'm going to be out until pull up his tour again. Uh, well, you have Sean Patton on some of your shows. Yeah, Sean's opening. Are you fucking kidding? Yeah, 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 dude. Sean is a gangster, and I fucking look love at that this. guy. I love that you put with special guest Sean Patton. Yeah, dude, Sean Patton is a legit theater act on his own. That guy's He's new great. special is phenomenal, and he is the funnest, top five funnest hangs in the world. He's, Brilliant on stage. He, there's a reason I asked him to do it, and I really, you know, I I try to, you know, Jesus Christ, wait, go through these tour dates. Let's take a second, go up to the top. So you're. When does it this start? This is the first start? leg. It starts March 2nd. Um, okay, so that's fucking yeah. Revolution Hall. That's a great fucking room. Yeah, these are most of these are really good rooms. Oh, I love that you're starting the Portland, Seattle, Vancouver run is mm-hmm. like is like the be- that's the best way to start off a tour in my opinion. Are you doing a tour bus? No. Uh unfortunately, and I've been dealing with trying to get uh figure out plane routing and stuff but uh because of my daughter's in school now mm-hmm. you know the old tour i i she went on tour with me i mean i literally we put a pack pla- pack and play in the tour bus and she was on tour it was me my wife the nanny great. and uh tour bus and we did you know i did like four months out How on the road fucking and, great is that it was great and now because she's in school and i don't want to 
be gone for four months straight, which is a better way. That's what I like to do. Yeah. Uh, just get out there. And so I'm, I'm only out for like three, four, five, six days and then back for four days. So mostly doing weekends, but you know, there's so much of this. Well, there's no direct flight from Columbia to Omaha. So we need to fly into Cedar Rapids and then it's a 7 a.m. flight and then we'll connect here and then it's a two hour drive. And so there's a lot of that shit. Terry, are you doing uh, you're doing the egg in Albany? Have you done the egg before? I have not. Oh, good luck. Terry yeah, really? it's that I don't like the I, I I'll just say this if you're going to see David at the egg, uh pack alcohol in your pockets. There's a they have a two drink minimum. What? Yeah. Oh wait, two drink minimum. Maximum, uh, maximum, max. maximum. And so a lot of the big complaint I got when I did the egg is uh, people I've were never like, heard of that. Yeah, I know. Well it's it's a beautiful it's a it's a Who beautiful the fuck has a two drink maximum. The egg in Albany. It's the reason I don't do the egg anymore. Because wow. uh, well, that's so. So here, you, guys, just listen. If you're doing it, get little baby bottles of Jack yeah. or little baby bottles or flask, pa- or plastic get, yeah, flask. little flask. But make sure you take care of yourself. Um, get your wife. If your wife doesn't drink, get her to order two beers. Right. That's what I do normally, yeah. and that's also what Ric Flair does. Oddly enough, <laughs> I'm sitting next to Ric Flair. I don't know Ric Flair's drinking uh, schedule. I'm sitting on on a plane next to him, uh, uh, and we're taking off on a Delta flight, and he's with his wife, and I'm with mine. Uh-huh. And the lady comes by and goes, "Can I get you a drink?" And Ric Flair is a big drinker. He's like, ah, like kind of steps in, in front of the line. He's like, ah, because we're sitting. And he goes, ah, uh, you know what? Good call. Wasn't talking to him, but he was good call. Uh, Hunt, what are you going to take? Uh, you want to want a Bloody Mary? He goes, yeah, he goes, double Bloody Mary for her, double Bloody Mary for me. Good call, Hun. And then I was like, oh, cool. And then he goes, can I get you something? I said, uh, baby, what are you going to get? Uh, do you want double Jack on the Rocks? She's like, double, double Jack on the Rocks for her. And you know what? I guess I'll take that too. So we both order for our wives, drink their drinks, and mm-hmm. then drink our drinks. And I'm like, Oh, you sussed it out. Oh, I know. I already do that. Yeah. We both okay. do it identically, independently right. of each other. We drink, we, we take and our And it wasn't even your wife. You're pointing to a stranger. Yeah, it was my, it was, by the way, I think it was Stacy, my producer, to be honest with you. Um, Terrytown, New York, Buffalo. I want to go through your tour dates so everyone can hear them because if they're listening, okay. they know you're coming to your city. Iowa City, uh, Omaha, my fucking favorite city. Yeah. I th- I'd never played that. Uh, until the end, last uh, dude, last thing on the on the last tour, and it was amazing. And I walked in, I was like, "Oh, this is gonna suck." I don't know. And you yeah. know how you we still make that stupid mistake mm-hmm. of judging, yeah. prejudging an audience, where even after thirty plus years of doing this, and I'm like, uh, oh, "This is not gonna be a good show," or "Oh, this is gonna be a great show." It's not. Yeah. Or this is not good. And it was top five shows. Omaha you, was great. Can I tell you why that changed? I love telling you this because you've been out of the loop on this. Yeah. Because of podcasting, because people who drive to work mm-hmm. listen to podcasts, and po- the number one podcasts are comedy podcasts. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, you have these people who normally would have been morning radio people. Although Todd right. and Tyler are still really big in Omaha, so like Canada, I massive. did I did their show. I Todd did their Tyler, show. Yeah, they're amazing. They were, they were great. They're, they're amazing. Were totally they're amazing. Cool. But these podcast cities, there's podcast like like Ohio, huge podcast territory. That's great to know because. Yeah. They listen to it. so you'll hear people listen to this right now because I I did I did my special in Omaha because I, I loved I mean that was I I really you know I'm uh, there's no reason for me to lie or exaggerate yeah. it was top five shows of, that was a tour that had a hundred dates on it and yeah I loved it they were amazing those those cities you'll find a lot of those cities and and adversely I have found that some places in like Alabama Mississippi for me are harder to sell. Because they don't, because, and I think you'll understand this growing up in the South, 
those windy roads, you lose connection on your phone. So they're yeah. not they they don't get connection the same way you would in Omaha, where it's flat. They don't right. ever lose connection. It's really it's I, interesting. The, I would love to see like a Malcolm Gladwell book written about because there are these towns yeah. like Omaha that are huge comedy towns and it's also the Omaha funny bones been very big very supportive of comedy you get cities like that where like we're like uh you know sacramento had just such a hotbed of comedy at a certain time same with boston same with like yeah. uh like austin now is a big hotbed sure. of comedy but phoenix arizona uh sacramento god i love fucking shows in sacramento san francisco that's i don't know, wonder how many shows you're gonna add to that uh <laughs> Los Angeles, San Diego, Austin, Texas at the Paramount. What a yeah, beautiful, beautiful theater. Uh, are you a cigar guy? No, uh, no. Okay, great place to go on the roof and have a cigar. A can I cocktail. go on the roof anyway if I don't yeah, you have can. a cigar? Yeah, you can. Yeah, can I just can. get a, yeah. like a Frito pie thing? White, uh, White Oak Music Hall in Houston, Texas. Dallas, Texas at the Texas Theater. New Orleans at the Joy Theater. God, I fucking love New Orleans. Oh, St. Yeah. Louis, Chicago, Chicago, Knoxville. Knoxville is a great man. You know what I think is cool about your tour? What is like is like the comedy. Like you get all types of comedy fans, but you also get kids like yourself. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I, you know, if I'm the thing, I always remember, and I, I would imagine you have kind of the same type of thing, is. You know, the the road is, it's fucking grueling. It's hard. Mm -hmm. And you gotta, you know, uh, and I drink a lot and I'm not very responsible that way. And uh, and sometimes, you know, uh, you have to bring it. You're not feeling it. And uh, it has nothing to do with the audience, but, you know, you go out and you, and sometimes you, it's depending on multiple factors. Sometimes it's you, sometimes it's the audience, sometimes it's the room, sometimes it's whatever. It's just not working. It's not like clicking, yeah. you know. And you can phone it in. You know how to do that. You've done it enough. Uh, not you, but one. And you know, I do it. too. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But, we all do. We all do. But I, I have, when, when I'm out on the road, I always, if I start to feel like that, like before I go out on stage or even if the, in the beginning, I, I always imagine I know I know that there's a kid up in the balcony and it's his first show and yeah. he's 16, 17, 18, 19, 20 years old and he saved up and he's a big fan and I came to his town and it was a it's kind of a big deal for him to get tickets and he's up there and I don't want to disappoint that kid. And cuz I was that kid. I you that's know? What, yeah. I I was that kid and and so I always bring, I mean, I never, if I start, my mind goes there, I'm like, fuck it, I'm doing this for that kid up there. I don't care about all y'all. I'm doing this for that kid who's up there who's, I'm doing this for him. Isn't it crazy yeah. that like, not and not to get too fucking big and, and mythical about it, but like starting at the age you started at and, and having kind of like, just deciding to go like, fuck it, I'll go to New York, fuck it, maybe I'll roll in college, fuck it, I'm getting out. That comedy kind of, not save your life. I don't think you would have been a drug addict, alcoholic, but but I think about how, how comedy gave you a fucking beautiful life. And a and a and a a, a road to travel down, you know? Yeah. Like I it, it it was I remember having uh a girlfriend when I was living in LA and I mean uh, 
we would have been 30 at this point, you know, late 20s. And uh, she didn't know what she wanted to do. She was kind of bouncing around, like she was doing production work and then, you know, dabbling in little things. And, and she was 30, basically, and didn't know what she wanted to do in life. And she was awesome. She's, uh, 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 but like I'd known what I wanted to do from a young age, you know, the, the kind of idea. And, uh, and I just, I felt, you know, uh, not in a, a superior judgmental way, but I just felt really bad. Like she's going to go through life. She's going through life. She's, uh, you know, a third of the way through life and had no idea what, I don't know, maybe a gardener. Nah. Real estate. I don't know. Travel agent. I don't know. Like just not, doesn't have that thing that, that uh, I, I feel lucky to have had. Mother's Day. You're thinking, what do I get my wife? What do I get my mother? What do I get my, what do I get any woman in my life? M- my mother, my mom. I'm telling you what I've gotten her. I've gotten her every single year is a skylight frame because we started, it is the best present you can get. Skylight frames are a great way to feel close to everyone you love when you're far away. Anyone in the family can send photos to this frame. So it's a great way to keep everyone in the family in touch. It sets up in under a minute. And I'm telling you, if my mom can set it up, your mom can set it up. It looks like a real photo frame and adds a beautiful touch to your house. Skylight frame has gorgeous 10 or 15 inch touch screens. You can swipe through all the photos at your fingers. You can tap a heart button if you like it. And you can let the senders know you love a photo, which makes the frame interactive and fun to use. We have one in our, we have one almost everywhere in our house, but in our kitchen, it's beautiful because it just scrolls through pictures of your life all the times. And every now and then you'll be like, look how beautiful Georgia was or is. Never mind, that came out wrong. Keep it in. Look at how young we were, Leanne. Look at Isla. I loved when she didn't have braces. <laughs> 100% satisfaction guaranteed. If you don't love your Skylight Frame, they're going to give you a full refund. Preload it with your favorite photos for a special Mother's Day gift. Surprise them with the photos they didn't even know you had. I'm telling you, my mom my mom loves it. My dad loves it. I have my sisters. We gave it to our friends. This is the gift. If you're looking for a gift, this is a gift. Now, as a special Mother's Day offer, get 10% off up to $30 off your frame when you go to skylightframe.com slash Burt. That's right. To get 10% off, up to $30 off your purchase of a Skylight Frame, just go to skylightframe.com slash Burt. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E dot com slash Burt. I love going to events. I love going to sporting events, whether it's concerts. I love eventizing life. The problem is I'm not home all the time, so I don't really know my schedule, so I can't really plan for stuff I have in the past. But like the Doobie Brothers are coming up, and... I I don't know if I'm going to be there and I don't want to spend a bunch of money on a ticket if I'm not going to be there. Here's what's great about game time. Buying tickets for your event shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater near you with killer deals on last minute tickets and their best prices guaranteed. So you can stop stressing over tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you're going to have. It's the most fun is texting the group and going, hey, guys, I got tickets. Even if it's last minute, when it's last minute, it's even better sometimes. Game time is a place. For last-minute ticket deals, forget planning months in advance, which is nice. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. You get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball. Dude, baseball. Baseball is a last-minute option, and it's great to get great seats for your family. It's the fastest-growing ticket app in the country for a reason. You buy tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps, you're set, and the tickets are sent directly to your phone. So you'll never have to dig through your emails. Snag tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app and create an account using the code BERTCAST 
for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code BERTCAST for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. Yeah. Oh, I feel so lucky that I found... I found it so early. I found yeah. I found out I wanted to do comedy at 25 and then going, oh, that's my thing. That's yeah. it. Like, that's the only thing I ever want. I don't care for about anything else. It's such a gift. And I, and I, I, I think it's cool. I always think it's cool because like, I don't get a, I don't get a ton of young kids, but you've always, you've always drawn like, I mean, I think your, your, your comedy has always drawn like this great, like for lack of better words, like a comic book scene, like almost like a, sure. a a record club scene, like a people still get vinyls, like kids who are like my my daughter, my daughter Isla, mm. is your fan base. Like she's the she's the one who pulled me aside and is like, "Have you ever seen this Mister Show? Mm -hmm. like, are you, really? Are you, are you being serious?" And she goes, "Dad, <laughs> it is hilarious." And I'm like, "Oh, well, that's great you like to hear." It? Oh yeah. Oh they they just well they they discovered Arrested Development. Mm -hmm. Uh. Rest of development. By the way, I didn't even talk about all the great, amazing shit you've done in your career. All the, uh, like, I mean, I'm talking like, like, Christine and I, Christine, I've known Christine forever, but like, we were friends when Arrested Development showed up on the scene. And to be in a friend group where you discover a show like that, I don't, you'll never get the joy of seeing Arrested Development for the first time <laughs> where you like, shut the fuck up. Yeah. What the, Jason Bateman? When the well, fuck, like, like this, you gotta remember, he hadn't done anything. We're like, Jason Bateman? <laughs> Who the fuck's this kid? Michael Sarah? Yeah. Like this fucking, it was so much fun to discover that show and then be like, oh, I know what we're watching. I mean. And it wasn't rated. Uh, I mean, it did not a lot of people watched it when it first came out. So you guys were part of a very dying, dying experience of like, oh knows this except us like oh. i was pre uh stream and pre-internet pre-internet kind of, stuff it, and, yeah i think it was time like right when facebook and myspace were out yeah i mean i mean it wasn't out there i mean it was like uh it was kind of the last era where people you know you could have that experience like do you, have you seen this because nobody knows about it and yeah and georgia and isla discovered that over the summer they discovered it i think maybe on netflix i'm guessing yeah, it's on Netflix. Yeah. Well, it's about to go off, actually, and, the whole thing. And so they discovered that, and then Isla, now Georgia's at college, and I guess Georgia must have been with her friends, and they discovered Mr. Show and sent it to Isla, and Isla had a clip. I forget which one it was. One, I don't. I forget which one it was. I don't want to do a disservice, because then Isla will be like, that's off one, Dad. <laughs> but it's like, it's crazy that for whatever, for whatever, for whatever reason, your comedy's connected with these kids looking for something kids looking yeah, for comedy and, you know it's it's and then they find all the other stuff and it one one cool aspect of uh of my stand-up is uh is that my audience has grown with me but then i'm always getting new younger folks That's in the there as fucking well key. so it's pretty cool so if you go to, go to a show you know there's any the age range is like 20 to 55 you know yeah. like i get i get uh i get boys uh boys predominantly in high school right when their testosterone's kicking in and uh and i get them as a parent now i realize i'm getting them for the reason a parent doesn't want like they don't then as a parent you shouldn't want your kid to because you're saucy no no because all my stories are about crazy fucking stupid shit i did right like right. getting involved with the russian mafia whereas a kid I, I remember we had a friend whose kid snuck out in the middle of the night and he fucking took an uber he's like fucking 13 took an uber down to santa monica and met up with this girl and then 
and it was like this crazy wow. fucking story, right? At 13 and during the pandemic. And I go, buddy, what the fuck were you thinking? And he looks at me in his eyes and he goes, cool story though, right? And I'm like, oh, no, 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 I fucked up. I fucked up big time, guys. This isn't the whole thing. You're not supposed to take ass and go to Disneyland. You're not supposed to eat mushrooms and hold on, hold on. Oh, I might have fucking been well, telling that, you guys the wrong message. Now that you're a dad, yeah. you know. Once you're a dad, you start looking back at these stories. You're like, don't fight a bear. Don't swim in open water with sharks. Fuck, 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 fuck. Do oh. not get involved. If you study abroad, do the work. Learn the language. <laughs> have fun with your friends. Don't go outside your school. My, if yeah, I mean, my daughter will eventually, you know, I mean, I've just said some terrible, awful things, and I've I'd done, you know, uh, I found myself. I mean, you know, my crack stories are out there, you know, and and she's gonna hear a heroin story and just, and I can't take it back. They're they're out there. They're out there. Oh, the know? the things I've said about my daughters on podcasts and on specials on specials, I've just trashed them. I've just trashed. Oh, well, them. this this new tour. I mean, it's not. I don't. You know, less than thirty percent of the the hour and change is is uh, about having a kid, but the stuff that is about having a kid about my daughter is pretty. You know, it's pretty harsh. That's fucking great. All right, <laughs> I'm gonna get you out of here. How did you meet Bob? Tell me. Finish. We gotta finish oh one my God, story. Really? One story. One story. One story. One uh, story. Okay, I'm gonna give you the quick synopsis. So I met him. <laughs> uh, I met him. Uh, First through Janine Garofalo when yes. uh, she the Stiller show hadn't happened yet. I had gone out to L.A. to visit and probably tried to do sets and, you know, see what was out there, whatever, from Boston. And, uh, and you know, met a bunch of Janine's friends, Ben Stiller, and went out, had drinks with them. And then, um, and she uh, said, yeah, I was like, oh, I want to play some basketball or something. I played a lot of basketball back then. She's like, okay, I have a friend, Bob, he's really, really funny. And uh, I think you guys would hit it off great. And uh, and she had a basketball at her, I guess her roommate played basketball. So I picked up the basketball. It was in the Melrose Hollywood area. So it was like, yeah. you know, three blocks around the corner. Go up to his house. He had a screen door. Uh, that was cl that was closed, but his door was open. Meaning yeah. you could. So he's in there. He's watching TV with his the TV. So as you as you walk up the steps, his the the chair was facing the TV, which was were behind him. In other yeah. words, his head is we're seeing the back of his head. And Janine raps on the door. He's eating like a bowl of tuna fish or something. Um, hey Bob, uh, my friend David uh, is in from out of town. He's uh, really funny. Uh, he's from Boston, um, and he was looking to play basketball. If you, you know, I think you guys have hit it off. And he, all he did was this. He just turned like you're me. Yeah. No. And then, <laughs> and then turned back to watching. And it's it's it, you got to hear Bob tell the story because his 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 memory is the same. But yeah. he also he he owns up to his uh, you know uh, shittiness and. Um, <laughs> And then, and then, so then I met him, you know, several months later on the Ben Stiller show. I was brought in as a uh, writer replacement mid-season. So I came in halfway through and, uh, and he was a dick to me. Like, a, like not, like actively, proactively yeah. a dick. Not just, uh, he, and I was, I was 
a fish out of water. I had no idea how fucking Hollywood worked. I didn't know anything about the West Coast or Hollywood yeah. or TV or any of that shit. And, you know, I came in with my cocky ideas of what you know, pure comedy is and whatever the fuck. And uh, and he he just wasn't helpful uh, at all. And again, you have to ask him because he, he is. That's great to hear. That's great. <laughs> he totally owns up to it. Yeah. Uh, and he was. Uh, but then uh being part of that scene that that burgeoning scene that is now we know what it is but at the time it was just sort of happening and there was no word for it um and uh and we had all these mutual friends like really talented cool people we you know doing shows for each other and we we'd always everyone was always partying every weekend there was a party somewhere and we were at. God, I would have been in love to have been a fly on the wall to see those parties back then. They were they were great, and also everybody's fucking each other. You know, yeah. like any kind of creative scene like that when you're young. I mean, we were in our twenties, and um, and uh, or late twenties, early thirties, whatever. But uh, and then um, we were at a party at Laura Milligan's. Where I think Janine was had a room. There were like it was a house, and there were like four comics who shared rooms share the house and uh one of those parties and then we were in the kitchen laura milligan's kitchen and we ended up bob and i riffed this thing that became um the i don't know the name of the sketch but the it's one from the first season the pots and pans and he's the he's that british uh ernie the british uh uh guy who's like have you ever you know the infomercial thing yeah, yeah. And I'm, oh yeah i'm whatever uh uh and then he ends up hitting Jill Talley, beating her with a pant, whatever. And he's like, <laughs> and then he jumps out a window and he's like, British people can fly and uh, all this crazy shit. And then, but we riffed that and it became very apparent very quickly in a way that's, that's very rare. But when it happens, it happens. And it's, and you can kind of, it's akin to having a, a, a spark with a woman, you know, mm -hmm. where you, you make that connection and everything you're saying is kind of, uh, you're totally on and I don't know why, but everything I'm saying is landing and she's going with it and she's great. And there's a connection there. So it was like that without the sexual part, but with the, the comic part where we were just, we started with this thing and ended up telling, listening to each other and telling this, uh, going on this, sketch journey thing that was just bonkers and crazy and cracking each other up and it cr making everybody else laugh. And then from that point forward, it was like, uh, um, we just became friendlier and, and there was just a thing there. It's crazy. And now we're like best friends and, you know, I love that. Um, I love, I love the idea that had you not gone to that party. There you go. You maybe the tension, but but you walked in the kit like even the the smallest thing like oh yeah I smoked a little weed that night and then that you can never discount that smoking weed doesn't give you the greatest things in the world you know like I I love I love that that's how I believe in the world that's what I that's what I hang my hat on at the end of the night uh, you got to smoke weed yep yeah yep like I just believe that if you don't show up it doesn't happen. That's absolutely true. Yeah. All those people yeah. that go, oh, I'm not going out tonight. Oh, what the fuck are you doing? You're missing out on all the How many great stories have started with like, I don't know. I uh, And you get talked into it or something. And yeah. then, you know, it ends up, you know, my 17, wife. 18 hours later. My wife, I she I met my wife playing bowling and, and uh, I thought she was cute. And uh, 
and but I thought I was I was definitely misogynistic. I thought any I thought any woman that was that would pursue it. I thought all women were whores at, at that point, and so I thought any woman that pursued a dude because the Sex in the City, Sex in the City made it seem like all anyone wanted to do is have sex, and that's, I wanted to fall in love. It's the most Florida thing I've ever. Heard. <laughs> And so I believe that if a woman pursued a man that that all they wanted to do is have sex with him and then just have the next guy and then I didn't want that. So I was like I got I got I was like I'll just work on myself, you know? And uh but I wasn't working on myself. I was just trying to lose weight. And my wife gave me her number and I didn't call her. And then mm-hmm. she called our old my old roommate and said, "The fuck's wrong with your friend?" <laughs> He was like, he just walked in the door. You talk to him. And I was like, oh, I'm not here. I'm not here. <laughs> That's great. And then she was like, you know, if you ask me out, I'll go. I was like, do you want to go out for a date? And she was like, yeah. But I just didn't. If she hadn't said that, yeah. I would I would never have found her. And what part of Georgia is she from? A small town called Bowden. You know where Carrollton is? Uh, is that West, south? West Georgia. Is that southwest? I think so, yeah, yeah, compared to Roswell. And so it's out on the twenty right oh yeah yeah Yeah. okay well not too far yeah yeah and so she uh but yeah it's funny you know it's funny when you you start comedy there's a few people that you connect to and and uh because i think you were from atlanta and i knew all my friends moved to atlanta georgia Mm -hmm. after graduation and like tom rhodes was from tampa um Mm -hmm. uh todd barry was from Tampa, from Mm -hmm. florida Mm -hmm. brian regan was from florida you kind of find the people you go oh if i run into them i'll be able to go like oh we're in roswell (laughs) You know, whatever simple-minded thought. Um, It's been an absolute uh, honor to have you on the podcast. Oh, man, man. I'm such a fan. I've been a fan. I'm a lifelong fan. Well, thank you. I've enjoyed this tremendously. Um, Next time we'll do it, we'll have cocktails. Uh, Yeah, you're going to do mine when I I get it up and running. Where do you see me as a guest? I'm so good. I'm sure. I'm so much better than a host. Yeah, you'll have to come along, too, and just uh, have all the stuff ready to go. Christine's roughly my age, probably a little younger. So, like, so, like, you know... For for all our experiences in comedy, you know, you guys are like I for lack of a better word, around Mount Rushmore. Like you guys were the oh. ones that that kind of put it out there. And, and despite the path I took in comedy, Denver, I never went like I was never in the alternative scene. But like the guys that made me giggle the hardest, and, and I would say, you know, Atel, obviously number one, yeah, yeah, Louis, all the all the all the greats. But like your scene was so fucking fun, and you guys put out such cool shit. We had so much fun, man. I mean, yeah. it was just, you know, years and years of running around, especially when in New York. I mean, just running around, drinking, having fun, making each other laugh, and putting on shows with each other, for each other. It's what it, it always felt. I would sit in the back at, uh, what was it, Luna Lounge? Yeah, Luna. I sit yeah. in the back at Luna Lounge and watch you guys. I remember watching, uh, I think it was Michael Showalter one time read mm-hmm. a letter he had written to his his girlfriend at camp breaking up with her mm-hmm. or she was breaking up with him right and boy i fought i was like he's not doing this to get a sitcom no it was, it was right. so it was so the difference of what you saw at like at like uh the comic strip the comic strip yeah yeah or yeah any of those things did you did you ever see uh uh john benjamin doing because he would host and put shows john benjamin too. is one of the funnier dudes in the in the world and ballsy as hell man super ballsy uh, well, uh, Eugene Merman, Merman just put out a uh, uh, not just it was probably a while ago, but put out a doc about about a bunch of people doing stand up. I'm fucking wish I could remember it. I just had oh a, his it was his uh, the Eugene Merman Comedy Festival. Yeah, 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 yeah. He just put out that and the yeah. so many people in there. I'm like fucking. 
That was one thing that would blow me away is I go to, there was a place called, uh, it was either Collective Unconscious or... Uh, there was a place called Collective Unconscious. There yeah. was another one around the corner that a guy named Faceboy ran. I forget. He, um, but I remember watching a dude in a clan outfit. Wait, not neck face. Was it neck face? The graffiti, the tagger? No, no, no. Okay. It was no. I never even got to talk to you about the Beastie Boys. The um, the there's so much. I'm. I you have no idea, man. Wait till I get you drunk. <laughs> we'll get okay. I feel like I feel like we're on a date. Wait till I'm I get, you, get drunk. you drunk. I'm gonna get you drunk. Um, no. I watched a dude. This was what I loved about. This is the thing I loved, and I couldn't do it at the time. I didn't know what I was doing. I think I was closer then to who I am today. But still, I never really fit in in Collective Unconscious and uh, and Luna and and uh, and what was the other one that was on Monday Sunday nights? Uh, uh, Faceboy ran it. Anyway, I don't know. I don't know that one. Um, this dude walked in in a clan outfit, like you know, bring him up. He's in a clan outfit, and he was just doing material, <laughs> and it was and it, but it was hacky material, and he was like, "What is?" And then all of a sudden, he breaks character, and he's crying, laughing. He goes, "You have no idea." the what i've gone through to get this fucking outfit and he's in a clan and the room is crying laughing yeah. and by the way it's one of the things that i don't think will ever be maybe understood and it's a nuance is that in no way was he being racist i understand you can misconstrue that yeah. it oh, was of ironic of course it was and, it, and he was like you have no idea and he goes no better yet you have no idea to get this what i had to go through but it was so dirty, I had to get it dry cleaning. <laughs> and I was crying, fucking laughing. I To this day, that same guy told a story about going to Japan. And, Who was um, it? Do you remember? I, no, I never yeah. remembered. Any, the only person I remember out of that whole fucking scene, sincerely, were Zach mm -hmm. and, uh, and Brody Stevens. Oh, yeah. Brody Stevens, uh, that's it. Yeah. And Brody Stevens was doing, there was a movie called 10 Things I Hate About You. Mm-hmm. And he goes, and he was doing 10 things I hate about me. How about that movie? It would be a short one. And it goes like this. I have hair on my cock, not on the base, halfway up it. Like I remember th there was so much great, different fucking comedy that I just was, I was on the outskirts of. And I, and I was like, I was, I was very, very much a frat boy and I wasn't ready to lose that. And by the way, I don't think I'll ever be ready to lose it, I guess. But like I fit in better at the Boston Comedy Club, but it, it, and I think, I think that energy was changing of the old guard of like, mm -hmm. try to get a sitcom. You still saw it a lot and you, and it, you'd highlight it. And, uh, but, uh, but God, man, I cry. I'm, I saw so much great fucking shit where were I was you, like, Were you ever around for Tinkle? The show that John Benjamin and Todd Berry and I did at pianos, no, I like around the so. corner from where Luna Lounge was. No, Todd Berry. Todd Berry would cross. Todd Berry was like the he would he would, he could straddle the fence. for sure. Yeah, and Todd absolutely. Berry was. I mean, he would do what he did at those bars, and he would do it at the Boston Comedy Club. Yeah, and yeah. you would just well, he's be, a pure, he's a great joke writer. I mean, he's brilliant. like a writer writer. Have you, I just watched. I just watched. Uh, Hot Honey. What's the one he just? He, oh yeah, I've seen, yeah. It's an old, yeah. old, an older special. I just yeah. watched it the other night and was crying, laughing, yeah. crying. I was good friends with a guy named Dimitri Martin when we started. Yeah, and Dimitri, Dimitri immediately went over there, and I was like, "Oh, that'll be." I was like, "Yeah," and then I went over there, and I, I remember the first night, like a fucking idiot, like a fucking idiot. I went to Collective Unconscious, and I was wearing overalls, and I just, it just didn't it, look. Nobody, right. it's New York. It's yeah. in your head, dude. No, no, it's no, no, in no, your no. head. When I got on stage in overalls. I think everyone was waiting for a character to come out. Sure. And I was just myself. And they were like, oh, God. 
I don't know. I think I was also a bad comic. Let's projecting. just leave it at that. I was a bad comic. I was a bad comic. But uh, God, man, I saw such cool shit. You know, and then obviously you go to the cellar, you see a tell. I remember, yeah, it's I remember, just different cool shit, but it's oh. a different thing, but it's still good. As you oh. said, it's if you're funny, you're funny. You yeah, know, comics. Just, it's brilliant people in both camps. Yeah. I wish I had understood that uh, earlier in my life. Dude, thank you for doing this. Absolutely. My pleasure. Congrats and on the tour. Thank you. Uh, if anyone's listening, please go out and see him. It's going to be one of the best nights you're going to have. Go to officialdavidcross.com. It's got all my dates. That is the first leg that's up there. Then there's going to be a second leg that we'll announce probably in a matter of days. Is it Europe? Uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be, I think Europe's going to be in the third leg. So yeah. I'm taking the summer off. It's all around my kids. Is, are you going to do, so are you going to do your podcast during the summer? You're going to wait until you're done with the tour. No, I'll be, I'll wait until I'm done with the tour yeah. or I can start it and bank a bunch. Start it and bank a bunch. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Maybe because everyone's that. home during the summer. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah. And then by the way, I have to say this. I don't know if you know anything about my fully loaded tour, but it's fucking funny shit. Mm -hmm. It is funny shit. It's over the summer. It's for four weeks. You don't have to do all of them. You can just jump in and do one if you want and just have fun. We're going to be opening it. I don't know. I'm sure this is coming out. We're opening it at Forest Hills. So it's going to be a big outdoor. I'm trying to get everyone out there. So yeah, if you want to just come even absolutely. to hang, it's so much fucking fun. Fuck yeah, dude. Let me know. I'll jump on stage. I'd love year. to. I had a tell last year. And, and a tell was destroying. Yeah. Destroying. That's uh. But yeah, I'll, 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 I'll reach out. And please, I'd love to do your podcast. Yeah, absolutely. We'll make that happen. Thank you, man, for doing this. Thank you. Thank you. This episode was brought to you by The Machine.